0: Hey there. Popping in for the customary warning uh, that we are not only going to spoil the shit out of 2017's It movie, uh, but also we're going to talk about things that happen in the book itself uh, and in the 1990 version of the story, I suppose, the TV movie. Uh, so if that's going to bum you out, uh, take warning. Uh, if you're all in on this, cool. Welcome along. This is a real fun episode, I think. Uh, if you want to support us, go to patreon.com slash and and kick us a couple of bucks or if you want to uh talk us up on social media especially as we're approaching a new season and a new book uh that is a huge thing i do searches and stuff like that and i love it when people do it so twitter blogs any of those um are really appreciated Uh, i don't want to uh kill any more time let's talk about this movie Welcome to Radio Free Midworld, a podcast about the Dark Tower series of books by Stephen King and related works. Uh, my name is Cole Ross, and I'm your host, and today I am joined by Brian May. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, welcome back, and by Jeremy Greer. Hello, hello, hello. Yeah, and we are here to talk about the 2017 its movie along with the 1990 movie here in dribs and drabs uh you know they're all based on the same work and it's impossible to talk about one without talking about the other um but i'm very excited because unlike the dark tower movie um i am here positive and jazzed (laughs) to talk about a movie that i quite enjoyed not to not to give away the lead how do you guys feel um i feel like this movie is worse than the dark tower movie what what
1: no i'm
2: just kidding this movie is really really great (laughs) i was was gonna say like we we didn't convene about this
0: ahead of time i just kind of assumed that we all would like it brian don't break my heart here
3: (laughs) oh no actually so i came into this um not being a huge fan of either the 1990s miniseries or the the book really but i actually this is a really good movie yeah cool so so, yeah.
0: so you have history with, with with both of those. It's been a while since we had you on the show, and I know Jer- Jeremy is kind of the consummate Stephen King reader, along with along with Autumn. Um, and uh, I I had no idea if you actually read read the book. So you have history with the franchise, but the franchise yeah, is one work.
3: <laughs> yeah, I got I got about um, what. So it feels like a franchise is. I think the big thing, like it, it sort of permeates the uh, collective subconscious. Um, <laughs> I think I first even heard about the character of Pennywise. You guys know the really crappy skate punk band Pennywise?
0: Oh yeah, there was a Pennywise yeah, song yeah. in the arcade game where you rode around on the um, on like a fake skateboard. Oh yeah,
3: to control it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So that's how I first learned about it. The like Pennywise, the dancing clown as a character. Um. So you know, I always sort of had a passing interest in wanting to know what that was because uh, you know, scary clowns. Like it's the formative perhaps scary clown story
0: <laughs> for sure um i know that this uh probably inspired an awful lot of coulrophobia um and <laughs> a lot of people um you know watching this watching the uh the the television version when it aired on television when it when it aired on on television they broadcast this thing over the air
2: <laughs> like they just put it in people's homes for free they didn't yeah. charge for it or anything <laughs> Probably the most mind boggling fact about the original nineteen nineties TV movies. <laughs> <You know? laughs> they just like sit it out like aliens from space are probably picking that up right now and going like
0: what the fuck what are they doing there are little kids (laughs) whose parents were like oh we probably shouldn't let timmy watch this they still picked it up on their fillings and are scarred to this day (laughs) 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 and so so, yeah so you so you weren't a fan of the original of the original nineteen ninety series can you can you expound on
3: why so it's not like any there's no knock against it. They did the best they could at the time with the budget and the technology. And Tim Curry owns the character like he's great in it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just, you know, I think not. I think it was definitely a time and place kind of thing. And I just saw it so removed. I watched it in 2015. It yeah. just didn't <laughs> didn't quite have the same effect. I think watching it on an HD TV,
0: it's it's definitely different. Twenty five years later, um, especially with that cast, when you have somebody like John Boy from The Waltons, I know who's that? <laughs> is that the Judge from Night Court? Oh, you bet it is. <laughs> like it was an it was an all star television cast at the time, but it definitely is a little a little cheesy outside of out, outside of Tim Curry's performance, which transcends, right?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And with the book, um, again, I I think the biggest, the best thing I can say about the movie is it's making me go back and wonder, wait, why did I stop reading the book in the first place? Because it's incredibly long. (laughs) It is incredibly long. It's definitely an expectations (laughs) thing, I think. I just wasn't, for for a thousand-page book, I just wasn't, I mean, I guess I should have known there would be long, very long descriptions of the town and the things in the town. And I think I'm more in a place in my life where I could handle that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Jeremy, how about you? I mean, did you read it, uh, right around the time it came out or like, what's your, what's your history with this particular piece of work?
2: I don't remember when it came out. Um, I just remember reading it at an absurdly young age. Uh, like, like most of my, like I was reading misery at an absurdly young age, Like, like, you know, 13 or 14 years old, uh, just like The Dark Tower, that's kind of when I found all of Stephen King stuff and just consumed all of it. So uh, yeah. this book terrified me. I was just to my core shook by this book. Um, mm-hmm. I've seen the movie. The movie was very scary as well. I watched that when I was pretty young. Um, the uh, Me and Autumn watched the, the 1990s movie just recently, just a few weeks ago, uh, mm-hmm. but kind of just to brush up on it um i don't i think maybe she had not seen it so we we're like okay we're, we're gonna go see the new one so we need to get the old one too um yeah the new one is is excuse me the old one is is interesting and, and it's it, and like brian said like they do they did their best they did their mm-hmm. gosh darned best to bring this to broadcast television and um i'm really hopeful that that guy's ponytail won like a daytime <laughs> emmy award because it, if it wasn't if it, if Tim Curry wasn't in the scene that ponytail wasn't a scene stealing <laughs> stealing everything um, it was just ridiculous I couldn't take my eyes away from it yeah uh, <clears throat> so I I like the movie a lot I uh, also liked the book a lot I haven't read the book in quite a long time mm. it's been interesting talking with the uh, Duckfeed community because I know um, Allison and I and some other people have been reading the book in the Radio Free Woodworld World Slack channel and mm-hmm. uh, just commenting on some stuff that I had forgotten which is like that classic Stephen King. Writing just extremely kind of gross stuff. <laughs> um, lots of weird stuff that they left out of the new movie, thankfully, like, you know, forced sexual encounters and yeah. um, weird child sex and uh, lots of, you know, use of racial epitaphs and, and things like that. And I remember um, as a kid reading that and just kind of assuming like, oh, that's this is – i mean i grew up in the south like this is the way people are like right, this must right. be how people are in Maine. like this is this is just like he's
0: this is true to life mm-hmm. stephen king is the 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 narrator of our times yeah and it was not uh, that like oh it's the 50s you know and and yeah, these are despicable or, people who are saying this anyway and
2: uh but so i'm curious I, I i probably don't really have enough time in my schedule to go back and read it right now but um when it when we do it for the show uh, i'm definitely going to try to try to catch up to it i'm going to be curious how it holds up to yeah. me. but uh I, I like all three of these adaptations or I like the two movie adaptations and I like the original book quite a bit.
0: Yeah, um, I re, re- uh, reread and by reread, I mean, listen to the audiobook earlier this summer when I was getting real excited about the movie um, and it's good. It holds up. I, I originally read it back in like 2011 or something like that um, hot on the heels of finishing The Dark Tower, actually, uh, because it is connected to the tower in specific ways that are not brought up in this movie particularly um yeah I dodged a bullet there <laughs> <laughs> um and we should also say this isn't going to be like a beat by beat summary uh because we're kind of just going to talk uh in broad strokes about the way this works uh a because this is a good movie and you should go see it um and b because we are going to be talking about the book you know later on I don't know two years Um, but, but, um, this is going to be kind of light and breezy and kind of a comparison between these two adaptations, probably, uh, with a real emphasis on this, on this kind of more, this more recent movie, uh, watching the 1990s movie, I was struck by the ponytail. Um, Bill's character looks perfectly normal from straight on, but from the side or from behind, it is really jarring. Uh, that does not look like a a hairstyle that would exist at any point in time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no.
0: And if it if it did, Stephen King definitely rocked it at least once in his life. Oh, I'm positive. Yeah. Um I was also struck by how faithful of an adaptation the TV series was. Um they took some liberties and they glossed over some things. Neither of these talk about my favorite part of the book, uh, which is which is a real bummer. They both waste the uh the Patrick Hoxtedter stuff. Um however, um the T V series in three hours covers a lot of the incident of the book and keeps the interleaved structure, which I think is which I think is something that um, makes that book what it is because it is about the contrast between the way you were when you were young and the way you are when you grow up and what you carry and what you transcend, et cetera. It's a book about growing up in, in you know in a, in, a, in a lot of ways um but they do flash back and forth whereas this has this simplified structure where we are just seeing the story of the kids as they first encounter pennywise the clown this kind of cosmic entity that feeds on their fear and adapts to be the thing that they are most afraid of at the time um and it's controversial i think you know a, a little bit to separate these two ideas and to say hey we're just going to show the kid's story in Chapter 1, and then do the adult side of this in, in in Chapter 2, which is going to happen because this movie was incredibly successful. Um, so I'm going to throw it to you, Jeremy, because you do have um, the mo- kind of the most history with this. What do you think of them separating this out and not running those stories in parallel?
2: I, I think it loses something uh, from the book in the original adaptation um, because – you don't get that um, false sense of climax that the book gives you um, so that because in the, in the book you still have a lot of ground to cover after the kids deal with Pennywise and they go into the sewers. Like you still have some things to do in the book. Um, And that's missing from the, from this adaptation. But honestly, like, I can totally see these guys uh, make the, making the sequel, and um, they I guess they've already pre announced they're like the kids are coming back in the in the sequel as well, so like oh, it's not going to be just the adults. Um, yeah. And um, they've actually already addressed one of my complaints about the the new movie. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but I, I can totally see them doing like a Blu Ray director's cut where they cut these two movies together and just splice them in to oh, make that. And I, I think that'd be a, a pretty interesting thing. Yeah. I, I feel like this movie, if they had crammed adults in it, it would have been. You know, that's 14 characters. That's mm-hmm. 14 different actors, um, you know, plus the the way that the, the city is structured, not to mention all of the all of the bullies and, and things like that. I think it would have just been too much for yeah. a two hour movie that especially like this movie, which is spend some time in its horror scenes. Like when when the when the Pennywise is addressing these kids fears, it's. It's intense, and they mm-hmm. they they kind of wade through that for a while, which I think is a good thing. No, um, set, so yeah,
0: they I, settle in to those exactly. Scenes. Yeah,
2: um, I so I feel like it, it was a good decision. I feel like that they I don't think this movie would be as much of a success, especially after coming off of things like Stranger Things where you know we, we've we seen this kind of kids 80s focused horror thing be very successful like i have to imagine that was a very deliberate decision on behalf of the movie going like okay well <laughs> we got the kid from stranger things we pretty much have the same plot that they took from us to begin with right so we're, good, <laughs> so, we're gonna steal it back <laughs> so let's just do it all over again let's let's steal it from them so I, I think it was very successful in that in that way
0: wait they have one of the kids from stranger things which who who is it richie richie oh, richie mm-hmm. that's why he seemed familiar to me okay
2: Yeah. Wow. You're, you're, you're the guy that doesn't know Clark Kent from Superman, (laughs) (laughs) just
0: it's It's been forever since I've seen, since I've seen Stranger Things. And if it seemed familiar at the time, then it was probably just because the concepts are, you know, pretty, pretty similar, right? You know, Stephen King loves writing stories about kids dealing with really difficult and awful situations like this. You know, it can be seen as kind of this extension of Stand By Me or the body, right? You know, in a, in a few mm-hmm. ways, looking at the group dynamic of these little kids, I probably just brush it off as like, oh, so much else is similar between these two things that sure. I, the, you know, probably like that. But okay. I, was,
2: I wasn't really calling you out. Like, I, <laughs> I, I know.
0: I'm really I'm really actor blind and
2: uh, like Autumn can see somebody for two seconds on the screen and be like, yeah, that was that was a guest star at Night Court in 1972. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, How do you know that? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I just I really like Stranger Things. And I think that kid did a, an amazing job as Richie. So I picked it yeah. up. But don't 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 feel like I'm calling you. Out
0: <laughs> no, anything. no, I, I I didn't feel honestly attacked. It was it, it was fine. Um, also, <laughs> most kids look the same to me. Um <laughs> kid blindness. I like it. Kid blindness, yeah. Um what what was the complaint that they're going to address in the second movie? Just just because he threw it out threw that off as an aside? They uh
2: they said they're gonna develop Mike into more of a character.
0: Oh good.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh
0: that's great. And that makes some sense too, because Mike is more of a he's a lead addition in the kids story a little bit, and he's more of a um he's more of a factor in the adult side of things, as like the historian who is keeping everybody together too. I yeah, once them. we
2: get into the uh, what we didn't like part of this podcast, I'll, I'll have some things to talk about with Mike.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, Brian, going to throw the same thing to you. Like, how did you feel about them, you know, kind of like unleaving the two of these? these kind of Right. Sets?
3: Going into it, just like from a movie perspective, I get why. Because they, they're going after the mass audiences. They're going after the people who have no idea what the book of it uh, contains. So I understand how they think the best idea is to start from uh just a clean slate these are some kids nothing crazy's happened yet let's start from here um i don't know if my ideal version of the movie starts with the adults but when i read the book one of the most memorable scenes for me was i don't even remember which character it was but right at the beginning somebody slits their wrist in a bathtub oh it's stan and that's yeah. Stan. Yeah. And oh, that that makes perfect sense Um, that Stan is the one who kills himself. But like I don't like that felt like a very like a really smart opening scene. Was that mm-hmm. right at the beginning of the book? Like page one?
0: I don't think it was page one. I think page one, you know, it's been forever since I've listened to it. It's yeah, either yeah, it's what? either the killing of Adrian
3: Mellon or it's the um or it's Georgie. It's very early in the book, though.
1: Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's and one that, of the first that, scenes.
3: Yeah. yeah. And that set the tone for the book for me. And, like, there's a version of the movie that has that at the beginning that I would love, but Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's necessary, really. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, so, like, to, like, to set things up, um, maybe, like, it makes more sense once you know who Stan is as a character. Um, And if you're not going to address why he would have grown up into into being the adult (laughs) that he is, um, it doesn't make an awful lot of sense uh, to begin with just this regular old middle-aged man dying. Dying in his own hand uh because because of some horror. But you're right, it is it is a striking image. When I was watching the nineteen nineties movie version of this, um I was shocked at how late that scene takes place when Stan kills himself. Because like in the flashback timeline, they are going into the sewers to have their first showdown with it before <laughs> uh it's right around that time <laughs> that they that they show him doing that because he's the the last kind of the last person that they address um yeah i mean it just makes me excited for the second movie honestly because there are a lot of themes that are not present here that i really enjoy about um um uh, about the adult side of the story about the growing up side of the story um that i hope that they get a lot of time to explore specifically the way each of these <laughs> the way each of these characters kind of transcended their upbringing but were also indelibly indelibly marked by it Right. Uh, Kind of the adults that they that they turned into be. Um, Also, my mind is already dancing with the casting on these. I have have no like solid ideas of who I would like to see, but that's going to be an exciting announcement at whatever Comic-Con they decide to do that.
3: I'm sure. Yeah, that is pretty exciting. He's he's floated. This director's floated an idea for who he wants to cast as an adult. uh, 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 uh. As as an adult Ben? Uh, uh. No, Bev. Bev, Okay. Who? Who? (laughs) um who the actress yeah it was the um have you guys either of you seen the director's previous movie mama no no okay it's the it's the lead actress from that though
2: okay is that jessica
0: Chastain?
3: yes that sounds right
0: Mm -hmm. yeah um speaking of casting it's super weird that they got a young actor to play pennywise um at least to me so let's talk about the new it about the new pennywise uh, Bill Skarsgård who they apparently kept from the kids like they they tried not to show them what he looked like what his costume and what his makeup were like until it was time to film so that their kind of reactions to his whole stees would be would be genuine and on the you know just, just kind of in the moment right. Um, so
3: <laughs> since the comparison's inevitable with Tim Curry, I might as well bring this up now so didn't i under, my understanding is that they used the exact opposite technique when they had Tim Curry as it, where he was constantly round constantly in makeup and constantly in character. Oh jeez, <laughs> oh no, that sounds terrifying. <laughs> yeah my understanding is the kids did not like it (laughs) yeah i don't like it no
2: (laughs) and it's 27 years later man
0: (laughs) see the thing that bothers me about the tim curry design is how bulbous his head is like i know that that's intentional but just like he he got a lot of cranium going on (laughs) (laughs) yeah um and bill skarsgård uh kind of came out and directly said like nobody can do this the way that tim curry did it So this can't be an imitation. This can't be, you know, anything somebody would want to compare. Um, And I think they do a pretty good job of steering clear of it.
3: Yeah, the best part about Skarsgård's performance, I think, is how he really sells the inhuman element of it. Mm -hmm. There's a one of his first scenes, the boat scene with the sewer. Like there's a moment where I can't remember if it's really in the exact middle of a sentence or what, but he sort of just loses his place and his eyes start floating apart Mm -hmm. it's it's very unsettling the
0: the stuff that they do with his eyes like the way even the socket will rotate sometimes or the way they will have kind of an unnatural light to them um i want to see like a making of feature about how they how they achieve that i uh
2: this is this is internet rumor level and i have have, didn't have time to check it out but several people have told me that uh, the actor Skarsgård can actually make his eyes go in different directions, so that some, <laughs> if not all of that, was actually real. <laughs> oh. It was just him doing that with the, like, oh. making his eyes go oh, left nice. and right. Yeah.
1: Um.
2: Again, it, it you know like court like playground rumor kind of you, know, right. you know You can play as Sonic and in
3: Mario or whatever kind of rumors, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I can believe it. There, they some of those are pretty realistic eye movements. Um, and it's mm-hmm. one of those things where it's if it's a practical effect of him just doing that, mm-hmm. it just serves to make the cgi look all the better yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah
0: <laughs> when i was reading about this uh, that like there is an alternate
3: universe where tilda swinton plays pennywise oh yeah she was in the running
0: <laughs>
3: yeah. okay i mean, um, that's interesting i'm here for tilda so yeah, I'm, I'm
2: down you know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I i want to use the rick and morty gun to go over there and 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 see how that played out because i think that would be really interesting i don't know if it would have been better um, you know, but just who knows, it's counterfactual. But that would be that would be a a pretty out there choice. And I'd be down were, for that. Were either of you familiar with Bill Skarsgard
2: before this? No. I know him
3: I know him as a Skarsgård.
0: Yes. As one of
2: <laughs> as, as one of the
0: storied Skarsgards. Um
2: <laughs> So there's a show on Netflix that's um it's just a dumb like there's werewolves and vampire shows, but for some reason it caught Ottomanized imagination and mm-hmm. he plays one of the main characters on it and uh does a very good job as like a like a weirdo kind of modern day take on a on a vampire um and so i i was familiar with this dude so when this was announced i was like man that kid seems like too scrawny to do this like he just seems like small <laughs> like he's just and too handsome and i was completely blown away with this performance i think he yeah. did an amazing job again it's it's hard to lose the comparison with the thing that's in your mind from the book or the thing that's on the screen from tim curry um uh, mm-hmm. Cool. You, you mentioned that he like came out ahead of this and said, um, "I'm I'm not gonna live up to Tim Curry on this." I imagine people that sit at the dinner table in a restaurant after Tim Curry gets up and leaves says that same thing to the waiter, like, "Hey, I'm just I'm just I just happy to sit here. I'm not gonna be as good as Curry
0: was." Yeah. <laughs> um. No. no think, nobody's I, heard from the guy who tried to replace him as Gabriel Knight. He pretty much disappeared <laughs> right after that. <laughs> you're, you're you're seeing the last known footage of that actor.
2: Uh, <laughs> I always just flash back to that that scene of him and that Command and Conquer full motion video game where he's just like saying this stuff and cracking up while he's saying it. It just makes me happy. You know, but... I interrupted you. I'm sorry. Um, no, that, that was interesting. I was just saying like, uh, Scarsgård did an amazing job. He, I yeah. thought he was effectively terrifying in almost every single scene that they, they wanted to be terrifying in. And, uh, the, the CGI never really took me out of it, which is pretty impressive because that kind of stuff is, if you'll pardon the pun, very eye rolling for me. Like I, yeah. I'm getting to the point where I just, if it's, if it's just CGI lathered on CGI lathered and people are staring like through characters or, or what have you, then I'm, I'm kind of just out of it a little bit. And uh, yeah. this felt very interesting and weird and creative and like good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there, there, there were not, you know, many shots that made me think like, oh, you know, that like, that looks fake. But, you know, it's what that's the cost of doing business, but like everything here seemed to be of a piece. Because they were willing to let this movie be dark, which is where CGI works.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um they they made it uh take place at a later time. So this takes place in nineteen eighty nine as opposed to uh what fifty five now um is what, what it was in the book. Uh making it more and more stranger things like um <laughs> and lacing the entire movie uh <laughs> mostly with references to Ben uh Ben Hanscom's Uh, obsession with nkotb the new kids on the block (laughs) that was so funny that gag worked for me it was so Same. stupid yeah the uh
2: the the one scene where they're all in Ben's bedroom and Beverly like closes the door and there's the big poster and he just silently like pleads with her please please don't <laughs> please don't please and she just like kind of just calmly doesn't say anything it just pushes it back so that nobody can see it is like just one of the best gags in the entire movie
0: the, 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 the soundtrack gag on that where she where she closes the door and then just immediately it blares up with an N.K.O.D.B. song <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and,
3: it just... that punchline works so well because the scene preceding it is so quiet uh-huh. compared to how loud that music is it's so great
0: it's such a it's it's such a serious moment too because they're going in there to like look at ben's research you know he's a he's a bookworm and he's got no friends because he's the new kid <laughs> um and he's like looking at uh, all this history of the horrible things that have happened in dairy and then just all of a sudden you have this comedy bit laid in there like this is a funny movie
2: it is a funny movie, but the the audience I was in like was was laughing on a regular basis, yeah, um, even maybe laughing at some inappropriate stuff that we'll get into later, but um that are that's kind of played as funny that probably shouldn't be uh yeah. but yeah, I, I think the gags that they they go after and they I think they succeed
0: with them largely, yeah, yeah um but yeah i'm I'm down with them updating this. it brings to mind though the fact that like if they make another one of these in 25 years or in 27 years or whatever like it's not going to make any sense to have kids out on their own in the world i'm i'm <laughs> not try, you know I'm, I'm not i'm not getting all participation trophies in here but like 1989 is like toward the tail end of it being plausible for kids to be unattended for this long
2: <laughs> i was um i was born in 1980 so I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm the old man on the podcast. So like my, my formative years, my early teenage years were like 93 and 94. Mm-hmm. And there was some of this, right? Like I would go out with my cousins and, you know, we'd go into the woods all day or whatever and go do whatever dudes do in the woods. Um, Stephen King has the total wrong idea about that, by the way, but um, <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh,
2: I, I, and I, and I totally agree. Like my, if I wasn't. If, if, if I was doing that, which wasn't every single day, uh, but if I was doing that and I didn't like check in with whoever was monitoring the children at that particular time, whether it was my mom or an aunt or whatever, like there, there would be hell to pay. Yeah. So I feel like 1989 is the cutoff. Like, I feel like there's a cliff (laughs) that you fall off and it starts becoming more of a, I don't want to say helicopter parenting, but like it it definitely becomes, kids become, they start, parents start bringing their kids much more closer to them. Um,
0: yeah i i mean for like good I, reason i was oh for, for- for sure i was i was born in nineteen eighty seven and to contrast that I was not allowed to stand at the end of the checkout um at the at the grocery store I had to be by my mom while she was unloading groceries onto the belt I could not stand down by the backs oh wow okay <laughs> you, know? <laughs> <laughs> you know so there's a the, the, there's a contrast there god thank you unsolved mysteries for you know terrifying the parents <laughs> of the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh brian i know you like music do you, do you like the updated kind of like oh let's take the doo kids and make them into punk punk kids Can go with that?
3: it's weird i don't know i think i it makes sense to move it forward because people aren't going to relate if people have a harder time relating to adult storylines if they're not in modern day right that's my theory mm-hmm. or at least that's mm-hmm. what the movie theaters thinking Yeah, um, not movie theater, movie company, you know. (laughs) Anyway, every um, single theater has a dial that sets that like
0: sets the time for when the movie takes place.
3: It doesn't make me wonder: Are they going to do like a like a period piece gag for twenty sixteen? You see that.
0: Like didn't Bojack Horseman do one of those for like twenty like two thousand seven or something like that? Or I'm thinking of community, aren't I?
3: Or like what if they what if they like tie in like Donald Trump's election to it? Like
0: (laughs) Oh (laughs) jeez. Uh, see there there can't be any <laughs> horror anymore because it's all it's all too because real it's all too real too uh. real <laughs> um, related that to the updated time frame something i'm really happy they did over the 1990 version is they brought back the parental neglect uh these are not just losers because like people at school don't like them they are losers because they come from kind of horrible circumstances richie aside as I, I suppose richie's kind of got it okay um and you know, the, the there's only so much time that you can dedicate to this, but like they actually do show that like Bill's parents freeze him out. Uh um you've got uh, you've got Eddie's mom here in full force being, you know, overbearing to an abusive degree. Um, and kind of horribly they have they have Bev's dad on in full effect.
2: Yeah, Bev's dad um is is it's it's interesting what they do because it it kind of almost like by the time like the the evil clown shows up and you're dealing with Bev possibly being raped by her father, which is the implication I think when that you know they they have their kind of their second or third scene towards the back of the movie um it takes the wind out of the sails for the the clown scares for me a little bit when this chick is actually like literally dealing with something very real and extremely emotional to a lot of people yeah i uh and, and again that's that's coming from the books um if i remember correct it's been a long time so please correct me uh yeah yeah
0: she, it's very much a similar yeah similar
3: situation um, in the, in the, yeah you know, the movie think, leaves it very vague at least
2: and thank god for that yeah. <laughs> like that, we, we don't need we don't need the hollywood take on that at, at all no yeah, no absolutely it the,
0: the 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 better <laughs> part of taste is to leave it to leave it at menace
2: but i'm with you that um the they 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 nailed the Relationships between the parents of these kids and, and the losers club. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they, they, I think they, they, the movie succeeds on that a, a lot, even though it's, it's, they're almost hardly ever there. Like, we get that one scene with Bill's dad where he just yells at him, yells at him that, you know, Georgie's dead and to put his hamster tubes back in place <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Um, <laughs> his little model uh, of the sewers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it but it works right because we don't really see that that dude for the rest of the movie and it makes sense
0: yeah he has a monologue at the end like hey, walking into <laughs> the sewer is scarier for me or you know is, is not as scary for me as walking into my home because you know Georgie's ghost is there whereas his killer is here oh yeah Some, mm-hmm. something like that which you know at, at least that element is there um and I think yeah. that that is that is so important for this for for for, for this work, right? I don't, I don't know. Um, here's a question for both of you: Were you scared of this movie? Did it did it frighten you, uh, or did it do something else? Brian, I'm going to put this to you.
3: So my answer is is a pretty staunch no, but I also have a counterpoint of does that matter? Like, <laughs> so it's it is a Hollywood horror film, is my point, and there are it does follow to some certain kind of like scare tropes. Um, People have been quick to point out there's a very uh, a camera shutter effect when it does his running motion in the movie,
1: mm-hmm.
3: and a lot of people point to that as like, oh, this this movie's not scary at all. But <laughs> what a weird my thing point to focus is, on. <laughs> I know I don't really think it's that big of a deal. Yeah. It's an it's a you know it's an effect. You can it's just a thing mm-hmm. anyway. um There are there were definitely scenes that I found very affecting, and I think. For me, the horror that lies in it as an idea is way more of I'm going to think about this movie after I'm out of the theater. I'm going to really think about, like, if I ever met it, what would it show me? Do I want to know what it would show me? Like, <laughs> there's a there's an, uh, an existential fear to this movie for me more than there isn't like a um, I'm scared while sitting and watching it.
0: Yeah, there's a paranoia to it,
3: right? Mm-hmm, absolutely.
0: Yeah. I mean, my my summation would be kind of really close to yours. I wasn't really scared of this. There were scenes that definitely, like, either made me jump or it's like, oh, that's fucked up. But, like, it's paced like a comedy in that way. And I think a lot of very good horror is where, you know, if one joke doesn't land, the next one probably will. You know? Like, it comes so fast and so heavy. Although you have this whole run of the movie, which is, like, this vignette of the kids getting their signature scares. Right?
3: Yeah, and it's a, like we were talking on the Slack, it's a very uh, horror house version of a horror movie where you're kind of moving from room to room, idea to idea, mm-hmm. at such a pace, uh, sometimes there's not a lot to linger on in the movie. And it's not like it, I don't feel like the movie was rushed, but there is a kind of frantic pace to it. Mm-hmm. A lot of ideas,
0: I think, is is is, is what we're feeling there. Is that they are moving, moving between a lot of different uh, kind of concepts, right? Right, right. Yeah. Um, Jeremy, I'll put the same question to you. Like, did this, uh, did, did, did this pook you? I'm going to,
2: I'm going to back up what Brian said and say, not, not really. I think the, the individual scenes are constructed to be scary. Mm-hmm. And I think that if, um, you know, a young 13 year old Jeremy watched this in the movie theater, he'd probably be hiding behind some stuff, hiding behind <laughs> some hands or, you know, maybe going to get a glass of water or something. Uh, but you know, nowadays it's it, and that's one of my one of my complaints with the movie is that it feels I feel like it plays it very safe. Um, it it feels like it does these, as Brian mentioned, like horror movie tropes to the point where I just I'm like, okay, yeah, they're good. Like I don't think it detracts from them, and like Brian said again, I don't think that necessarily has to scare me. Uh, but mm-hmm. it but it didn't. Like it just I don't I didn't feel that sense of dread. I didn't walk out like kind of feeling you know spooked or, or what have you yeah. um but I, f- I feel like it's good like i feel like i felt that the kids were scared yeah and that was more important than me being scared uh and that's probably to do with the pacing a little bit um <laughs> there's a lot of really like individual scenes that i like a lot like the pyramid of balloons that stan sees mm-hmm. uh, was it stan no, Eddie sees. Yeah. Um, like, that's really good. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I love those
3: balloons. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I agree with you, Jeremy, man. The, the kids felt like they were terrified. And, like, you mm-hmm. explored each of those fears individually, and those got to build to the point. So that it didn't really matter that I wasn't scared, but I understood the connection between how the, those kids were feeling those fears.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Something you said, Jeremy, unlocked something for me. The idea that the kids being scared like in the book you know the, like the book has some you know let's say things that are upsetting on a cosmic uh level you know the idea that this you know this is something that is forever and can you know um tailor itself to you and feeds off of your belief in it you know creatures sets up these feedback loops there are a lot of those ideas um but even in the book each kid's individual scares even though they were oftentimes pulled from universal horror monster movies It said something about them, right? Like their scenes and the way they dealt with them. It was character exposition, exposition more so than almost anything else. I mean, obviously, the first intent is to you know make you feel some form of terror or dread or any number of those things that you know uh, those synonyms for fear, right? Um, But it does you know show you something about the about the people who are important to the story. And for me, like these characters that I really have a lot of affection for
2: the The big example of that is um, one that's almost missing entirely from the movie, unfortunately, which is like Eddie's big fear of the money mummy. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Ben's,
2: Ben's, excuse me, Ben's, uh, and we we do see a brief mummy appearance. And yeah. I'm kind of I'm kind of with the I think the a common voice on the internet that like mummies are really goofy nowadays. Like I, yeah, I didn't see I that know. new Tom Cruise, Cruise movie, <laughs> but like I don't, like it's it's a ridiculous concept
1: <laughs> now. But um, yeah.
2: But it it, it, it explains a lot about that character, and it's it's something that um I I feel like it gets right with a lot of them Mm um, but it doesn't quite nail that with uh you know with Ben's and with some of the other kids yeah yeah um
0: so yeah I'm I'm with you I agree yeah um so I want to talk about the new Losers Club uh, who were introduced in this amazing in this amazing intro sequence not the opening of the movie but like that long protracted single shot of like them leaving school on the last day um you know as they're uh as as the as the boys are you know swearing at each other um and uh bev is being tortured by uh by her mean girls like in general these kids do a really really good job oh yeah absolutely <laughs> the 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 rapport
2: between richie and eddie um <laughs> Well, add Stan <laughs> in
0: because Stan is there rolling
2: his eyes like all the time. <laughs> yeah, Stan, Stan, the straight man, <laughs> straight man Stan, as I like to call him. Um, like the three of those people, and you know Bill is good too. Bill, Bill has a solid lead in those as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Richie and and Eddie specifically were were the two that just almost stole every scene. They're, Richie is never not being a smartass, which uh-huh. is something that the that's carried over in the books. He was a lot more goofy, right? And they kind of right. they kind of bring it a little bit into the into the into this movie. Um, but he's just steady being a smart ass, and I love it so much.
3: Yeah, <laughs> it's I, so good. I just wish he had maybe w- a few less sexually charged lines. <laughs> I'll yeah. show you a yeah. staph
0: infection. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's so funny. I love Richie. Like I know I know Richie is a character who gets a lot of shit from people online for being annoying. Like even the super hammy version of him from the from from the book or from the 1990s version. Like mm-hmm. Richie's Richie's great. I've got a, he's I've got a lot of affection for that asshole. But I, can, <laughs> I I can see what you're saying. Like I think your words when we were talking about this before were like he's so crass, right? Yes.
3: Mm-hmm. Definitely. We, we,
0: we, 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 was your problem there just that it didn't feel realistic for a character of that age at that time or was Maybe, it just a matter of think, taste
3: for you i think it was just he was so over over the top with how far he went with it mm-hmm. like i mean you know i get it like kids that age they get I, these kind of ideas in their minds um I, but it was never it was never quite my experience that like i never had a friend who would just say sexual things all the time that feels weird to me so yeah yeah there's but there's, it's like, a <laughs> there's a great I onion
0: article recently that was like uh uh teenager or child trying out swearing for the first time is really overdoing it or something yeah. that's all i could think of when i watched this <laughs> go ahead Brian, i'm sorry i spoke over you
3: <laughs> so but i what i did like about richie was how the other characters reacted to him stan and eddie specifically eddie was the real star of the show for me oh,
0: yeah, yeah
3: um Eddie's already
0: great like um he's always been an mvp for me but like in here he has like a i, I i'm so sick and tired of this shit vibe to him that is
3: <laughs> that, that, that is
0: great for uh the
3: scene the scene where they're going into the sewer
0: for the first time <laughs> you know that's Greywater, right <laughs> hey, what's gray water <laughs> you're walking around the piss and shit of the entire town that's one of the uh
2: that's because I don't I don't know if you guys saw this, but they, they actually released that scene, I think, as a trailer or as a, like a teaser for this movie. So I had know, already great. seen that going into it. Yeah, and <laughs> it was the perfect it, it was the perfect way to get me interested in this movie. And I didn't think it was going to be a piece of crap, to, yeah. you know, whenever <laughs> it was being teased. But also just makes me believe that, like, I never want to watch a trailer ever again. Just like <laughs> right. give me a premise and like a tw- 10 seconds of like what the movie looks like, maybe. And then just let me watch the film on
0: my own. I, oh, I am all about a teaser. Give me a teaser, man. Mm hmm. Oh yeah. Man.
3: You know, trailers would do be so much better if you literally just got an uncut 30-second scene of the movie and then a title. Yep. Yeah, like straight up.
0: Weirdly, this is this is a strange thing to bring up in a, in a a horror movie uh podcast, but um the uh preview for Zootopia, that was the scene at the DMV. Um, yeah, it was perfect. Um, with yeah, the, yeah, with just the pro-
2: yeah. spot on, made me want to watch that movie. Yeah.
0: yeah. I never saw it, but it made a very good impression on me
2: it's it's a weird movie cole like yeah. I, I would I, I recommend it but uh because it's it's, it's a pretty woke. easy watch it's 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 woke in some really weird and not great ways though like, <laughs> yeah no it, But the it's metaphor it's like the x like the, the metaphor doesn't work out all the way
0: <laughs> <laughs> doesn't quite add up on both sides of that old equal sign no yeah <laughs> something that's great about this just in general talking about the the losers club as a whole before we get into some specifics and talk about their individual uh, spooks and scares um a lot of their dialogue felt improvised to me um and i don't know if that was if that was specifically richie's actor kind of gearing that up but like the way things were delivered when they weren't talking dramatically to each other, when they were just kind of providing this background din as they were moving from thing to thing. Like, it felt like them just having a shitload of fun together on the set.
2: Am I am but, I alone in that? I, I think they captured the relationship real well. I didn't get the feeling that this was improv at all. Like, it yeah. felt... It it felt way too targeted at the audience to be improv to me for a lot of it. I, I think going for that shock value that, that Brian was saying of like, yeah, like just leaning into the vulgarity because these are kids in the 80s um, and yeah. like, oh, hey, we can say this and it'll be forgiven kind of thing um, <laughs>
1: right.
2: because because I, they're all kids.
3: I could believe there was some looseness in the script for, like, spontaneity. I don't know. I wonder. I want to see the making of documentary. Yeah. Stop making me want to see making of documentaries. I'll never watch them. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> I don't want to buy this. I, I want to buy Come on. <laughs> I am curious to see, like, at what level, how much freedom did these kids have in their acting choices? Because, you know, kid actors vary greatly in quality. Yeah. Um,
0: Even within this movie.
3: Yeah. And so you you just never know. Like some of them could be like hardcore professionals. Like I believe, I could believe Bev, whoever played Bev, is like she's seemed older. So I I don't all know. Right. She's she's got chops. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I don't know. Does the does the kid who played um let's say uh does the kid who played Mike study his lines all day? Like I have no idea. Yeah.
0: I don't know. We need answers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's talk about some of these individual these individual kits and rate their performance completely harshly. No, what uh, scale are we using? What's that? Just a, just like one, one,
3: one clown, two clowns.
0: <laughs> um, I, I don't I don't know. I don't have a way to plus one that joke. I just want to talk about these kids.
2: Go for <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, just a warning. I went to go look at the uh, IMDb page for this movie so I could figure out what Beverly's actress's name was, and mm-hmm. um, if you just search the movie it. Uh Pennywise is just like it it becomes a whole theme of the of IMDB. Like Pennywise is just there and it's like you'll float to twenty seventeen and I'm like, oh shit. It's <laughs> a whole uh, it's, <laughs> it's a whole takeover. Marketing.
3: <laughs> IMDB's marketing <laughs> has gotten pretty crazy in the last few years.
0: <laughs> Did your movie theaters have red balloons up? No. And I went on a Thursday night. I felt I felt a little bit um a little bit ripped off. We went on this Sunday,
2: uh, this past Sunday, and uh, the they've opened up a bar for some reason at the movie theater, so you can I go know. get extraordinarily overpriced alcohol if you want to. And uh, <laughs> the uh, so we did. And, it's a good um, scam, yeah. <laughs> it's a good scam because it works. We uh, but they had a balloon tied up, and I asked the bartender, and she said, "Yeah, they were up all over the place." Uh, but we got so many complaints that we had to take them down. This is like the last one left. <laughs> so. Oh, so many,
0: so many complaints. Were people freaked out, or were they just annoyed? I guess, I, I don't know, you
2: did I, th- I find it very annoying, more than anything. Yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah, I don't know, I went to a cheap theater. Did you guys do the, uh, super package? I don't even know what they call it anymore. It's Cinemark HD or something?
0: I did, like, the Cinemark XD, not because I wanted more pixels on my screen, but because that was the 7 o'clock showing, and I didn't feel like, ah, fuck going to a movie at 840. Come on. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I have to drive an hour away to start getting any um
2: weird acronyms after my, my movie experiences. At right. <laughs> my local theater, it's just like, Hey, we haven't been shot up in a little while. That's good. <laughs> cool. Thumbs
0: up. Yeah. <laughs> no, like our theater has those the, the those weird uh like reclining seats, like the like mm-hmm. the electric recliners that I can see just being completely busted in two years and they have no lumbar support, so you're sitting up on oh, the yeah. edge the whole time. Yeah.
3: Absolutely. I used to work at a theater that had those things. Ew. Yeah, they broke all the time. Yeah, all the time.
0: It's a it's a nice idea. <laughs> Emphasis on idea. <laughs> uh, so Bill, uh, Bill is kind of designed to be uninteresting. I think a, a, a little bit. His actor is doing an awful lot of like let's say a yeoman's work. I think to kind of hold hold things together, no matter if it's this adaptation of the nineteen nineties one. Um, but. So-
3: I have a theory, and that you can confirm or deny since you've read the book, but I think Bill's character specifically doesn't translate too well to a visual medium. There's not a lot of room for internal trains of thought.
0: Hmm. I don't think that they—I can't recall an awful lot of internal monologue that is given about Bill in the book.
3: So it's really just you get the same kind of, like, stuttery lines in the book as well? Yeah, yeah. Hmm.
0: Well,
1: he wor- You, I, he you get a lot
3: more
2: okay. interaction with that bicycle. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> <movies>.
0: <laughs> you get a, get a lot more silver. And I heard some people talking about, like, um, it doesn't make sense that he would be referencing the Lone Ranger um, in 1989. Um, I didn't, that didn't bother me because I figured it was his dad's bike. Like, that's an old-style bike, too. Well, I mean, he, you know, Richie has also seen us playing a Street Fighter game that wasn't technically out in 1989. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that
3: might have been Street
0: Fighter 1, though. I
3: try yeah, I not was, to think about anachronisms I don't like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, Street, I, don't, I don't try to worry about it. Wasn't Street Fighter 1 called something like Fight Street in America?
2: I don't, I don't <laughs> I know. God, I hope so. And if not, I'm struggling to copyright on Fight Street right now because <laughs> I have
0: found a new podcast name. <laughs> <laughs> Fight Street. Fight Street. Um, the original Street Fighter was in 87, and that is the game that he was playing. Um, okay. On, on, on there. Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, it was here it was released on PC Engine and TurboGrafx CD under the name Fighting Street. There we go. Yeah, yeah. But the arcade <laughs> version I believe was still uh was still um Street Fighter. Uh which is nice. I'll, I'll always be a sucker for a video game and a movie. But yeah, like Bill's signature scare is just his brother Georgie keeps popping up all over the place. Um Georgie be, you know, that kind of being the opening the opening tragedy of this of this movie which is him you know getting his arm ripped off reaching into the th- into the sewer like it's an iconic scene um that kid who plays georgie is great yes uh when he's in the basement doing the just the constant litany of you'll float 2 you'll float too um, oh, Yeah, yeah that was in the trailer and that was not diminished whatsoever for exposure
1: and his, his,
2: his final I,
3: I... scene too was great mm-hmm. all right no go jeremy
2: Oh, no, I was I was going to make a dumb joke that that kid has three first names, so <laughs> you, you definitely can't trust him, and he would probably uh, make you float if he had it so. on Watch out in the future. <laughs> <laughs> uh I thought the uh, just while we're talking about Georgia real quick, but the I thought it was a particularly gruesome scene with the like the kid running or just trying to crawl away mm-hmm. with his arm missing. Like I was really surprised they they leaned all the way into that at the very beginning of the movie. But like I know we have an R rating and it's you know it's a it's a modern day movie, but I was like, damn, can they show this on television? It's, <laughs> it's upsetting. Uh,
0: as, as I get older, I get I get more and more uncomfortable seeing bad things happen to kids. Not that I was like super crazy about it five years ago or whatever, but like it's it's pretty it it was shocking to see it happen to a kid who couldn't have been more than five.
2: My <laughs> dad said that he uh stopped reading Stephen King because it felt like in every single Stephen King book he was killing, murdering, or uh, maiming children. And he's yeah. like, I have you know, I have kids. Like that's I just don't want to read about that. There's other stuff in the world to read. So yeah. now he's a huge Game of Thrones fan. So weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <you know. laughs> People change. <laughs> I, I do think I do think Bill is is kind of boring in this. Um, I, but I don't I don't know what you could really do with Bill's character because Bill is an extremely boring guy. He's uh, he's, yeah, a, just, he's, he's Leonardo.
0: Uh,
3: yeah, he's a very <laughs> narrative focused character. Like, there's no real room. They just didn't give him anything to develop on because he's. They have the main plot for him, so why give him more? Yeah, there's mm. other things to focus on.
0: Yeah, he's uh, he's straight and true.
3: Yeah
0: um beverly though beverly's great um i really enjoy her character her depiction that actress does a very good job you're right that it's kind of it it is a little strange how much older she looks than everybody else
3: (laughs) i think since i mean there's a we already there's a note down later here about the creepy pharmacist scene yeah and i wonder if they specifically did it to make that like just a little more plausible than her just being like a like a what are they supposed to be, like, 13?
0: I, I think 13. So they can be, so yeah, it's, it's 13, and this one, it's tw- every 27 years like it is in the book, so they can be 40 when they come back. So, yeah.
3: Yeah, that just seems a little old. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't spend a lot of time with 13-year-old girls anymore, but that didn't seem like 13 to me.
1: No.
2: That was something that uh, Autumn specifically told me to mention on this podcast is that uh, Beverly seeming not just in maturity, right? Like because, you know, you you expect girls to be a little bit more mature than boys, but also Mm -hmm. just in straight-up age. It makes this stuff between her and Ben seem just –
0: not weird but just wildly like not gonna happen dude yeah like,
2: what
1: are
0: you doing? <laughs> ben and ben, ben in particular like we're not to as we're not to to him in the list yet but it bears saying he looks like four years younger than everybody else i don't know if it's because of the way like i don't want to make fun of the way the kid looks he just he appears He's to be out of place what's that you said He's adorable. Oh, he's great. He yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's, he's a
3: very charismatic
0: <laughs> actor. Uh, just his his juxtaposition with 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 Beverly is is kind of str- you know kind of strange. I, I love that they went back to Beverly being a little bit more rough edged in this than she was in the nineteen nineties version. Watching that and seeing her be just like a little bit too a little bit too proper and nice didn't line up at all um, with her depiction in the book. So her being like. Not quite punk. You know, she doesn't have, like, uh, spiked spiked bracelets on or anything like that. Right. Um, but especially after she cuts her hair, you know, in the usual tragic scene of, you know, somebody cutting their hair uh, because of trauma. Um, you know, her, her togetherness and assertiveness is really great um, in a way that I think they flush down the fucking toilet at the end of this. Yep.
1: <laughs> yeah. just, a bit, mm-hmm. just a
3: little bit. <laughs> just <laughs> a
0: little. Well. We'll get there. though. Um, I have opinions. Yeah. <laughs> that sink scene though. That was a scene that got me. Um,
3: yeah. Oh yeah. That was horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> the idea, the idea specifically of like your bodily waste, everyone's bodily waste coming back and attacking you. That's awful. Uh, yes.
0: <laughs> awful. Yeah. It's, I, it's terrifying. I hate it when my, when my sink backs up, I'm i I'm a hairy boy, you know, and I, I deal with that on a, on a, on a pretty regular basis. Um, i didn't expect the entire room to be covered like that is something out of like a k-horror movie um how much blood there was in this version
3: oh yeah that's a that's a very like yeah east asian kind of horror trope i love it it was so it was so surprising really like nothing about the scene right until that moment leads you to think there's just going to be blood everywhere yeah and uh it's a it's a fantastic surprise
0: yeah and when you and when you go into this knowing the story you think okay there's going to be some blood oh that's a <laughs> lot of blood oh let's stack on top of that huge tendrils of hair grabbing <laughs> her and trying to drag uh, her into the drain God. <laughs> no, yeah,
3: not cool And, <laughs> and then it all- and her, good her dad coming in and just like what's wrong
0: <laughs> it was a spider I- <laughs> you should have told me i worry
3: sometimes um
0: And then capping all of that off. Oh, go
2: ahead. Just talking about that scene for a little bit. Um, There's also like the double, the tense, the double tension that they, they, they do in this scene because she still has the, uh, the love letter from, from Ben
1: with the January embers line on it. And it's,
2: they, they make sure to frame it in almost every shot where he's interacting with her mm-hmm. so that you're, and you're constantly worried that he's going to find it. But it, they bury that so far down in, in, in later into the movie that it's, yeah. it really surprised me. Like here's all this blood stuff. And then like, I felt I would, I was positive that he was going to pick up that card and start freaking out. Mm-hmm. While covered with blood and while she's covered with blood, and it would just be even more terrifying. But they, they I think wisely like wait for that to happen until later yeah. in the movie. I just thought that was a really interesting – because they, they definitely put it like square in the middle of the damn
0: scene of the shot, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't I don't think Alvin's too bright. <laughs> no well he's, he's
2: too busy worrying for studying yeah you know? yeah
0: it takes up a lot of, it takes up a lot of time and attention um and then capping her, capping her whole bloody bathroom scene off with an 80s cleanup montage <laughs>
3: i was laughing i was i was almost in tears watching this scene that's that's maybe my favorite like um trying to be funny gag in the movie right. there's another a quote-unquote gag that I think is better, but it's not necessarily for humor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, what is that? Just while we're here so I don't oh, forget. So the final Pennywise scene uh, oh, okay. where, like, Bev, not, maybe not final, but Bev is watching his show unfold down in the sewers.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Is just his ridiculous dance as yep. the camera's, like, zooming in on him. <laughs> it looks like a Rapa cutscene. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, man. Um, we've already sang Eddie's praises. Um, I love the character of Eddie as the as the hypochondriac. Um, uh, and his harder edge here is, like, just a increased bitterness. Uh, his dude is the leper who's chasing him from the Hebold Street. Um, just saying, time to take your medicine and sticking out his tongue with a pill on the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I
2: also um, think we get a lot of Eddie's um, stuff when they go to the house. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I just want to say that this movie did the, the weird, you know, possessed house thing just infinitely better than the Dark Tower did. <laughs> I yep. just want to call it. it's yeah. just a, It's a weird coincidence that they both have the, the, those those scenes, even though yeah. they go in two different directions. But wow, this one feels way like he could feel like I actually felt like, oh, God, Eddie could die. Like maybe they're going to pull it. <laughs> they're going to trick us there somehow. Like yeah. the <laughs> kid laying there with the broken arm all being floppy.
0: And then Pennywise, you know, coming out of the, that refrigerator is oof.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um
0: if you didn't make that comparison, I would have. Um and it's even you know, it's even weirder, not just that these movies came out about a month apart from each other, um, but those houses are related. You know, they are both yeah. you know, demon haunted places. <laughs> um, you know, united by their creepy elf uh wallpaper and stuff. Like it's it's there. Um and yes, they do it much, much better. This has an amazing haunted house in it. That arm break was one of the most like stomach churning things in the movie specifically because
3: mm-hmm. of how floppy he got oh yeah oh god <laughs> honestly can we just call out the entire haunted house sequence i just love it the, the, like that's a really yeah. solid like 10 minutes of that movie
0: yeah we yep. we ought to because that serves as a climax in a lot of ways like it's you know it sets up the um like the act to you know everybody's mad at each other kind of break before they all gather back together uh but we should talk about the house on nybold street a little bit like starting up by giving richie an actual fear because he doesn't really have one, you know, seeing his own wanted poster, um, all the way up to, um, the doors, the, uh, not very scary at all, scary and really fucking Uh, scary or whatever it was. What's behind Mm -hmm. the
3: other doors?
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know it's
2: it's it's a testament that when they showed that scene with the three doors like the my the audience i was in like literally all started laughing out loud at it like in the in a, in a time of terror like like you know that's the, the, you know they've ramped up the tension and they're separating these kids and it shows that and like everyone just starts cracking up laughing like that's a great movie that can make you swing that fast in emotions i think
0: yeah well it just means that it's holding on tight right you know like yeah. it, you're you're not lagging behind and feeling any kind of whiplash like you're right there with it on top of it. Yeah. <laughs> um any other details from the nibold uh, c- c- kind of scenes that we want to call out because like Eddie falling through the floor kind of you know kind of devastating him breaking his arm um all of that uh is pretty good.
3: Yeah. yeah. No, I just wanted to just that special shout out for that scene. Probably my <laughs> favorite scene just in total in the movie. Yeah.
0: It's a. It is. It is an incredibly good sequence. Um, ben, we've already alluded to. You know, so he's the overweight kid. Um, he looks a lot younger than everybody else. He feels kind of inert in this, in a weird way, to me. Like he doesn't get a lot to do aside from being kind of an info dump. Yeah, which is frustrating. Um, because what is he I, in the book? <laughs> um, in the book, he's like the tough kid almost like he like he's he's real sensitive and real earnest which they which they capture here it just feels like he's more active like he has he has this role like this establishing moment of them you know being in the barons and like him helping them build a dam like there is more competence to him than just kind of being somebody who read this stuff about the about the about the town
3: right hmm so he was just like the resourceful one yeah
0: i i think that i think that makes a certain amount of sense and i don't know how much of this how much of this i'm bringing to i'm bringing the idea of the adult ben who's a real badass as well um you know (laughs) back into this like even in the movie like john ritter sticks out because like oh he is the person who i recognize the most out of this um but his portrayal of that character is actually really good i think um yeah who who knows it just feels like ben was kind of like there for a handful of scenes and then faded into the background uh jeremy it sounded like you agreed with that
2: well sort of um i can't i can't really talk about ben without also bringing mike into it um Uh, go for it because in the in the in the books uh mike is the info dump character Mm -hmm. um he's the one that has put together this history of the town to, to show that like, oh, he's, he's the one that finds this photo album with, you know, the pictures of it, uh, pictures of Pennywise or whatever. He's the one that puts together the 27 years thing. And it makes sense because when you go to the the adults, he's the one that stayed behind. He's the mm-hmm. one that remembered and he's the one that uh, brings them all back. He's literally they, the librarian. He's the librarian. Yeah. Um, they they pull that from Mike uh, and kind of hand it all to Ben. So Ben is that info dump, and you get this weird thing where, like, we we talked about how great the scene in Ben's bedroom is with the new kids on the block poster poster, and that that that's that remains great. But the idea of this thirteen year old kid hanging up these black and white photographs of like a town that he's lived in for five minutes, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it seemed seemed a little, and, and again, like you, they the kids have to learn this stuff somehow. I get that they probably wanted to pull this from Mike and give it to Ben because Mike is introduced so late into the movie. They, and they wanted the kids to understand more what's going on and build that tension up and to have it make sense and to have them talking about Pennywise and to talk about their experiences. But it feels like it leaves Mike with nothing to do mm-hmm. <laughs> and more than it leaves Ben with nothing to do. I, I kind of agree that Ben is extremely ine- ineffectual in all of this. like He doesn't really seem like he's doing much. But at the same time, we get this lengthy scene at the beginning with – um mike and having to kill this you know innocent animal i forget if it was a lamb or it was like a sheep or something like he was, yeah, using, yeah. He was using an anton sugar gun <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh and it's we get this lengthy like and that's supposed to build up mike's character but then we don't even see him
0: for what it feels like a good 30 or 45 minutes and uh there's by the, the time that he there's the brief scene with him in the alley delivering the meat um and we see oh yeah yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> he, he's actually at the first of the kind of signature scares where we see the burned hands kind of reaching out um, reaching for from that the door, door. For yeah, yeah.
3: Um, so I think a lot of I, this has to do with the math problem of you have a two hour and something. This is not a short movie. So, and they have seven kids movie. to balance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Not sure for a horror movie. Um, uh, And they have seven kids to balance. And there is a certain point where they have to say, Hey, does this kid have too much to do in the script? And does this kid have not too much to do? And I guarantee you there's a, there was a version of the script where Ben was not the uh, historian guy. And they realized if we don't give him this angle, then he really just feels tacked on. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, they just have, they have to move things around. And I don't know. I'm sure there were a lot of arguments and I'm sure there were a lot of different versions where they said, well, what if we give this kid, this and this kid, this, and this is just the equation that they landed on for the best version of the script they had. Yeah. I'm I'm not mm-hmm. saying that, you know, completely excuses it. I do think it's kind of weird. Uh I didn't I didn't even think about the fact that Ben literally just moved to Derry and like, oh, I know more than anybody else. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> yeah. You all can't see it and- because you've been here your whole lives, yeah. 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 It's it's also weird because they, they they you know, in in other versions of this story, they share similar roles. They're both particularly bedeviled by Henry Bowers. Like Ben, because he got Bowers in trouble and landed him in summer school, et cetera, and down the line, and also because he's a fat kid. So, you know, he's obviously going to be, be victimized for that. Uh, but also, like Mike, you know, he's he, he's he's a, he's a black kid, um, and he um, has a particular amount of hatred lobbed to him just for that, because Henry is a reprehensible character. Uh, whose dad is also reprehensible and he has been raised to believe that you know his family um, is only poor, not just because you know not because of you know Henry's dad's drinking or whatever, um, but because of things that Mike's dad did. you know um, that's an angle that is explored in the book that isn't really explored here. but you have two characters who share an awful lot of aspects. They're both kind of studious and they are both, victimized by henry bowers they're just occupying a lot of the same space they differentiate themselves in adulthood but i can see i can see that like divvying of story action being being fraught right and it sucks yes. because what we are left with is mike kind of just being a victim yeah he, he gets the exactly. kill like, like he he gets to finally deal with henry at the end which is
1: you
3: no know which is that, good that, that... That's specifically the metaphor they use is about, Mike, are you going to be the victim? Are you going to be the hunter? Are you going to be the prey? Mm
1: -hmm.
3: That's very weird. Yeah. Like they specifically Mm -hmm. outline it and highlight
0: it. (laughs) Yeah. It's like the opening. Like (laughs) aside from
3: Georgie, it's the opening of the movie. (laughs) Yeah. Um,
0: But Mike is particularly afraid because in this version, his parents died in a house fire that would have, I I believe it was set by, uh, it was was set by um, Henry's dad. Um, they might go into that later on, um Ben, like we mentioned he doesn't have his mummy, so like he has a scene in the library where the one of the kids who was killed in the ironworks explosion uh chases after him with no head, but like again, he is pretty inert in the story, aside from you know casting casting eyes at Beverly,
3: yeah, his scare was pretty felt lackluster to me, didn't quite have the same landing the other kids as did,
0: no. Um, Richie, I like Richie a lot. I don't know if I have, if, if, if I feel, if I feel a kinship being a talker or, or or what have you. Um, but, um, his portrayal in this was great. We've already laid a lot of praise on him. He's remarkable because in this, (laughs) they, uh, decided like in the book, like he, he never saw the monster until everybody else mentioned the monster is, is the thing. Uh um that was true in the book and that is that that is true here. Here his actual fear is clowns. Like they ask him, "Hey, what are you afraid of?" Like, "Oh, clowns." You're not going to believe it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> the so the scene where they reveal that is with the projector, right?
0: I forget. Like they're I think they're sitting outside or something like that.
3: Maybe? Hmm, I could just sworn it was the projector the projector scene where they like they're flicking through the images. <laughs> it was after that or it was shortly after. <laughs> maybe i i
0: can't remember i watched it a little bit earlier today but oh i get you yeah i can't remember the specifics of it. The, the the this movie moves quite quickly so it's hard to it's mm-hmm. hard to get the actual order down
2: i remember the clown line coming from um like around the time that they were discussing the first time that they saw it but but also uh i don't remember 100 percent for sure and so yeah um yeah. I had something else I was going to say about Richie and it just totally flown my mind. That's that's great. <laughs> awesome. Somebody Fine. please talk. We Get me out of this trap. No <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, Richie's just along for the ride. Um, you know. He's a he's a flavor character. He's <laughs> the, he's the one they use to spice up scenes. Yeah. And that's
0: true to his role in the book too. Like in the in the book um and I think in the yeah, in the 1990s one as well, like he's afraid of the wolfman, but he doesn't see the wolfman until everybody else talks about the uh talks about the monster. Um, because they all saw, like, I was a teenage werewolf or something like that. Mm. Yeah. Um, Stan, Stan is really funny. Um, and I do not remember Stan being funny in any other adaptation. Stan's like a tight ass. Like, his whole thing is that, um, he views the world as this rigid and orderly thing. Like, it was kind of a groaner in the TV movie version. He uses the word, the phrase, that's not empirically possible, like, five times. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> copy paste copy
0: uh but yeah but, but stan is definitely uh, among these people the one who would be most likely to uh straighten crooked pictures in a hotel room
3: Stan's great like i love his scare the i mean his scare is weird and mm-hmm. they but they use it as a motif which i think is great yeah um they all they're all motifs but specifically his is Visually very distinct from everybody <laughs> else because it's a piece of art uh, of what yeah a woman playing a flute yeah and
0: but it's like an abstract. is based on an actual artist whose name I didn't make a note of when I was reading reading about this. But think like um like a like a Edvard Munch uh kind of kind of humanoid drawing. But it's a woman playing a flute. She comes to life in this really like like most of the brushstrokes and stuff are represented as weird ripples on her skin which um, is very tall and lanky and looms over um, that, that one shot where he like looks at the painting and it's empty is amazing.
3: Oh yes.
1: <laughs> um,
0: I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to
2: be that guy, but uh, <laughs> to bring up dark souls, but um, this guy, the, the flute player really reminded me of the, uh, I think you call them the Gudents in bloodborne, the, the goo, the gooified students. from the <laughs> literal.
0: Oh, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, like the, it's the weird offset eyes. I think exactly.
2: Yeah, yeah. and like the the overall like kind of stretchiness and like thin, lanky thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, sorry, I I, <laughs> I got to
0: play to form. No, it's fine. It's fine. We're <laughs> we're typecast. Don't worry. So
3: we talked about CGI. This is maybe the one effect. Like the monster of Stan's story is like noticeably CGI, and it's fine mm-hmm. because it's mm-hmm. supposed to look like a work of art. But yeah. it was, like, the one moment in the movie where I was, like, it doesn't, like, I don't know if it's the lighting or what would have, like, made it a little more palatable to my eyes, but it just felt a little off. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I don't know. Somebody will probably say it's intentional, either affiliated with the movie or uh, somebody's defending it. I, sure. I thought it was the same, like, you know, <laughs> darkness and shadow <laughs> cover a lot of sins, like, it didn't bug, mm-hmm. bug me too much because I liked the idea. if, if I like the idea enough i'm going I'm going to extend a lot of leeway. that, no, that's that, where that I'm is at. bad criticism, mm-hmm. but <laughs> that's kind of where I'm at.
3: The visual of it, the idea of it, the, the the theme of it was greater than the whole of it looking weird to me.
0: yeah um, weirdly, so Stan in the book is is, is Jewish, um, but he is not practicing here like he is full on practicing he's not just secular um which um is kind of a turn for his character because in the book it was kind of a way to make henry bower seem even more hateful it was like oh he was he was picking on him for this even though it was like not really a part of his identity at all whereas you know here it actually it actually is who knows what what the calculus was that went into that but like henry throws his yarmulke like it's a frisbee
3: Yeah, but they don't even – like, he says, like, some racist stuff to Mike, but he never says anything, like, racist to Stan. It -hmm. never seems like anything more than I've got your hat, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's what I picked up out out of it, too. Like, they they went to the trouble of, um, you know, having the overbearing uh, rabbi dad that, you know, how's it going to look if you don't get your bar mitzvah right or or what have you? Um, Mm -hmm. But then they don't really – do a lot with that no no <laughs> um yeah. which seems kind of weird i guess it was all an excuse to get to that painting but i, I feel like they could have put that painting in, you know the library uh, also so yeah
3: <laughs> yeah I've, I've already read i've already read uh, one or two negative think pieces about how stan was handled so i'm mm. people are you know they're talking about stan
0: yeah yeah it's I, I don't i'm not conversant enough in the issues surrounding the depictions of judaism and media um so it's hard for me to say anything especially um insightful about it. So I'll back off. <laughs> um speaking of Henry Bowers being a little shit, um let's we'll talk about their whole gang. Um Henry's fine. Um his whole mullet angle feels like it is appropriate and then listening to Anthrax is pretty good as well. Um, (laughs) with wearing the anthrax shirt and everything (laughs) it's
2: so it's so it's so stereotypical and it's it's comical at this point right because i've i've seen that be you know just typecast as a villain character so much in these in these weird movies but Mm -hmm. it's just it almost seems quaint yeah (laughs) i guess is what i'm going after
3: can i can i just make a, a quick aside about anthrax of course you can okay so there's uh there's four bands considered the fathers of thrash metal it's metallica iron maiden um, Megadeth and uh, Anthrax. I, I feel like I'm gonna. I, I got Iron Maiden wrong, but there's four of them. But the point is, there was uh, several concerts they did together, and if you ever watch those DVDs, Anthrax is by far the broiest, sloppiest band out of all of them.
0: <laughs> yeah, like I, I associate Megadeth and, and particularly Iron Maiden, with being far more baroque than Anthrax are.
3: Yeah, exactly. There's a lot more thought into the other bands, yeah. and like even Metallica, like they're much more constructed. Anyway, yeah. so I'm, I'm just saying, typical jock music, <laughs> right? I love heavy music, guys, and it's a bummer when things like that happen. That's oh, all yeah. I'm saying.
0: <laughs> when when when, uh, when when your particular kind of music that you enjoy is used as shorthand for character development, exactly.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Um, I'm really bummed out that they that they messed up Patrick again. Like, at least they showed him as opposed to the 1990s movie which didn't have a Patrick Hockstetter character. Here, he's just like a lanky dude who really enjoys uh making flamethrowers out of spray cans. Like <laughs> in and and he dies super early. Um in the books, he's responsible for one of my favorite chapters of horror fiction. <laughs> um outside of the uh the the chapter in the extended version of the stand uh which is which is the uh the no great loss chapter um the uh the point of view uh chapter that's talking about him kind of like growing up being a psychopath like killing his little brother in the crib when he was only like three and you know him <laughs> just kind of looking at his looking at his own particular style of you know not not understanding that, that other people are real, his solipsism, and particularly his death uh, with his fridge and the weird little um, uh, wasps, uh, the fleshy wasps that fly up and kill him. Like, oh, I, I love yeah. that so goddamn much. It's so good. And, like, oh, I haven't bad. seen it God in a about movie. That. And, like, we're just not going to get it.
2: Like, ugh. Especially because his death was just so, just kind of boring in this, in this adaptation in the new movie. Like, it's just like. Yeah, he just he just okay. disappears. while others while they're yeah. hunting <laughs> while they're hunting
0: for Ben in the sewer yeah felt like they filmed an extra episode of the walking dead and were like hey you guys want to use this <laughs> <laughs> yeah um uh, also I mean I-, I can't wait two years to say this I love that it can't feed on a psychopath because the psychopath can't feel emotions and therefore can't feel fear mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so so it just has to kill him without actually eating him it's so good <laughs>
3: oh okay. man you're making me you want to go back to make and an read this book. okay amendum it wasn't iron maiden it was slayer
0: okay okay
3: <laughs> yeah i okay. can
0: i can i can see that yeah iron maiden feels a little bit too hair um for 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 that crowd to me to be considered thrash
3: yeah i just had a brain fart i couldn't no, remember no, it's perfectly fine i'm happy
0: <laughs> i'm happy you corrected so we didn't get tweets <laughs> um so we've talked about some of these scenes um and i want you guys to bring your own of you if 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 you have them um but there are some things that kind of stick out um over the course of this that i think they that, that i think they kind of nailed or if there are um, places where you think they really fucked up we can we can talk about those as well um i want to start us off here it's a little ways in but that rock fight
2: yeah i didn't um I, I, this is a this is a big coming together moment for the kids um as when it happens in the in the '90s adaptation, um, or in the original movie adaptation, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I vaguely remember it being similar in the books. Uh, and this this brings up one of my complaints of, about this: is that something that is in the book and in the the TV adaptation is the the barons are the barons, and they're kind of absent in all of this. Like you just don't get a lot of um, like the kids spending a lot of time in there. Like I I, just, I don't know, like it just it's such a huge thing in the books. Like that's where they spend all of their time kind of bonding. And here it just felt like they were either at different parts or just like kind of in the city, like hanging out on the street talking or or what have you. Um, Because that was like going into that rock fight is, is a, is a huge thing. It's like them taking it, taking back territory from, from um, Henry and his, his gang. So, but here it just feels like it was just like a skirmish almost. It felt cool. Like the kids coming out, especially Eddie coming out, like, (laughs) <laughs> like in front of everybody and getting all aggro on him felt great. Like it yeah. was it was cool. I just I can't help but like look at the or remember the book or the adaptation and think like eh,
0: well yeah, the, the the Barons was a huge part of that. It was specifically their their place to get away from everybody, even if they were ankle deep in everybody shit and piss. <laughs> uh, Brian, it sounded like you were gonna say something.
3: Well, as a you know, as a just a movie viewer, I'll say like I felt very confused um about like what was considered the barons. It felt like a name they had for a thing that they didn't really define super well, just in the framework of the movie itself. Mm-hmm. So it felt like yeah. just a name to me. But it was just the sewer system that was the barons. Mm.
0: Yeah, it's it's called out in the books that or uh, books it's called out in the book that like it I makes keep no in that too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because we're to talking Isn't about it? the dark tower, you know. Yeah. Um it's called out in the book that um that it makes no sense that it's called the barren's because of how lush it is, but like it is one of those little kid nicknames for a place, you know. Mm. Um which I, I I love those uh I love those little uh nods to the way kids, you know, think and talk to each other. Uh but yeah, that shows that there is some kind of failure that the barren's is uh is not properly identified because, like, having read the book, um, I've got a lot of affection for that kind of untamed, that untamed wilderness that they claimed as their own where they could actually, like, be themselves with each other.
2: That's something that Stephen King really specifically excels at, is building that sense of place and time around his characters. Like, he's great at character work, and he's fantastic at building... I'll always go back to needful things as as one of my favorite Stephen King books and just coming out of needful things. You just know castle rock (laughs) through and through, and you know, the characters that you were reading about, um, and that's something I think that this this movie is missing a little bit. And again, you've got two hours and some change. You've got seven characters plus a clown, plus <laughs> plus an evil villain in their gang, and you know some 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 shitty parents that you got to build in. Like there's there's limited time to you know really develop a sense of place in in this movie. But still, like it's it's one of my it's one of the things that I, I miss the most.
0: Yeah, yeah. The the what you get is oh, did you know that more people die in dairy did you know more kids died did you know more people go missing etc like hey there's mm-hmm. something weird about this place okay well we're gonna see why yeah i can i i, I can i can see that yeah stop me as i go through these scenes because i'm I, you know we're looking at we're looking at my notes here um when they are comparing their notes and like looking for the place where um it might be in the sewers and they've got the projector up
3: Yes, um, the projector scene. We we talk. We mentioned this in passing earlier. Yeah. The um. So this scene is really neat. I got this scare. gave me more of. Uh, I was more delighted by it than I was <laughs> terrified. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there's a. It's a. It's a very. They start flicking through some images, and then suddenly the projector starts controlling itself. Going through images, uh, I don't even remember what what's the big picture of it. It's just dairy somewhere, right?
0: Yeah, like they're they're, or, they're, so they're, Georgie, they're...
3: It's a picture of Georgie, right?
0: Yeah, like they're initially overlaying a map of the dairy, like sewer system, or like one of the old one of the old maps of like dairy township from way back. But then it starts going through the carousel to like picture the you know, family pictures of Georgie, right?
3: Yeah, yeah, that's and it starts zooming in on a background feature, and they're like, oh no, is that? Is that Pennywise? And it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And suddenly Pennywise is the size of the projector screen. And then Pennywise is physically there, the size of the projector screen. (laughs) (laughs) He starts
1: climbing
0: out of the screen. Oh, my God. This is so good. (laughs)
2: <laughs> I'm kind of with you Brian. I was I was like watching this, I was just delighted. I was like, "Oh my god, this is so great." <laughs> like, <laughs> this is so much fun. Yeah. I'm sure the, I'm sure these kids aren't
3: thinking that at all. <laughs> See, child me wouldn't have handled that okay, but adult me is totally fine with it.
0: Yeah. Well, like adult mm-hmm. me is delighted at the inventiveness of that <laughs> that like, "Oh, uh, a, a photograph of Pennywise and him kind of reaching out of that would be, you know, it's not very scary. he's like the size of an army man or something like that." No. Um. Here, when he's blown up to the size of the wall, and like if he's you know crawling out, and if he stood up, he would break the he would break the roof off the place. Like that is a cool and inventive idea. (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah. That's that's really great.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Um. I there is a this scene is has a like a I have a nitpick with it. Okay. And it's one of those things that like in the moment I didn't care, but like you know you think about it later and you're like, so this scene implies. They end the threat by opening the garage door and letting light into the garage door, mm-hmm. negating the power of the projector, I presume. Right. But every other scene implies it, the creature, has some sort of physical form that he manifests as. Because, like, there are scenes where they attack him and he retreats, but we see him retreat physically down holes and wells. Yep. Yeah. But I'm so I don't know. This scene feels like it calls into question: Does he always have a physical form? Like, what's up?
0: I I I don't know. I would have to go and take inventory. Like, I I just kind of like glossed over this by saying like, oh, he was he didn't have to take a physical form here because he was just trying to freak them out. I don't think he was trying to kill them
3: at that point,
0: especially because they were all together.
3: I mean, it's and fair. Uh, I mean, I guess like. I- you don't actually know within the boundaries of this movie, what his exact power set is. You can Mm. infer a lot and you kind of know because going into it, you know, a lot, but um, just within the bounds of the movie, you, you just kind of get hints rather than strict definitions.
0: Yeah. Um, It's super important in the book that um, he has a physical form um, that, um, you know, he, he presents it to one person as what they see uh, that they can lock him into that form and its weaknesses. By By sharing what they see, so when he comes at them as a werewolf, they have to say, "Okay, he's a werewolf, and everybody starts seeing him as that he gets locked in, cannot change, and he you know he's weak to the silver slug but i i i mean, I don't know that that's the that that's the role here um and there's like a little bit of that like hey belief is what ultimately kills him, you know mm-hmm. or can 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 let you harm him. I feel like that's something they're gonna have to expound upon because like the empty anton sugar uh cattle killer gun harming him or Eddie's inhaler harming him um et cetera, and down the line um that all implies that that is in play here that mm. you know a child's belief in what can harm or kill um an entity an entity like this um can actually affect it um but uh how that plays with the physical form i I don't know I just I just kind of wrote this off
2: as um, opening the garage door filled this with light, which is just, you know, very basically p- protective and feels safer than being in a dark and closed room. So possibly took their fear away, which caused Pennyf- Pennywise to retreat away from whether this was some sort of, you know, manifestation or some sort of projection or actually like a physical part of him was here of it i should say it like
0: (laughs) the movie is called it i don't know why i'm gendering the clown Um, (laughs) if if we did if we did titles i would make the title of don't gender the clown
2: (laughs) (laughs) um i wonder if that'll fit my twitter name anyway um, (laughs) but yeah that's kind of what i took it as um a lot of this stuff especially when the source material uh like when Stephen King tries to do rules based, um, for lack of a better word, magic or um, supernatural behavior, when he tries to when he goes for that, he often fails. Yeah, like I I look at the stuff like uh, the book Firestarter and think like, oh man, dude, like ugh. like it's, it's it's the closest that Stephen King gets to like a Dean Koontz novel. Yeah, does when, when he yeah when he tries to go like real rules based, and it never really works out. So a lot of this stuff, especially in his um. Let's say enhanced stage of his life is is very <laughs> loosey goosey, and it's just you know whatever works for the
0: scene. So. The enhanced stage. Yeah. <laughs> but look, I mean he's recovering. He's a recovering addict. You got yeah, to give Yeah, yeah. No, I just <laughs> I, I, I that is a, that is a very good euphemism. <laughs> um, we need to talk about uh, the damseling of Bev. Uh, because that is the thing that I think sticks out. All of us kind of groaned about it in the in in, in the past. Uh, in order to accelerate the movie to an end, to get all of the kids together after their big manufactured break, um, they have to have it take Beverly after she uh, brains her dad with a, with a with a toilet tank cover, which angers me because. For Bev as a character, that makes absolutely no fucking sense, um, and for this portrayal of, of Bev specifically, for how tough and resourceful she is, like laid out to be, it makes less than zero sense.
2: It's it's extremely annoying. Uh, Brian and I were talking in a thread on the Slack just about how it's 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 almost disappointing because it's just so um totally expected. Yeah, like there there were so many different ways they could have done, they could have done this, and they just played it completely safe by the Hollywood rules, and it's comes out as very boring. I don't know why, um, and and to me, like the if to me it, you you pull Stan into Pennywise's layer, right? Like you put mm-hmm. Stan in the place of Beverly, yeah. Um, that would serve to get this group back together to go down into the sewers to save Stan, and it also sets up Stan's eventual suicide as he's an adult because he would have seen more than these other children. He He would have have seen the
0: deadlights. He would have seen, he would have
2: seen the deadlights and it would have terrified to like have all of that dredged up 30 years later when you haven't thought of it a single time. Mm -hmm. That to me makes way more sense. And it's just, it's, and Beverly is such a great character, even in this movie, like up until, and not even like this doesn't take away her character. It just, just, it's just, it's just, it's just boring Hollywood, like got to save the girl kind of stuff. And it's, It's disappointing that when that that kind of stuff happens, more than anything, and yeah. especially with the uh, the weird "wake you up with the kiss" thing, like that's a little weird. Like yeah. I
1: don't,
2: I get that, it. Like yeah. and it's a nod to the it's not, it's a nod to like the thing that everybody talks about when it comes to the book. It like nobody talks about the fifteen hundred pages of like of like, <laughs> of, like amazing up, character
0: too. work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: But everyone talks about the the five page
0: ch- child orgy. Um,
3: yeah, did <laughs> which, we mention that that's not in the movie? Uh, we ought to,
0: like if, if, yeah, if that's yeah. keeping anybody from going to see this, um, it's not there. Like it is replaced in concept by then, yeah. you know, after they, after they re- recover Beverly and she's kind of in her catatonic state, he kisses her to bring her back from the deadlights. Um, um
2: which is weird because in the book is, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a huge, I'm not, I'm, I'm definitely not going to try to defend a child orgy. Let's, let's say that first. Right. Right. <laughs> like I'm like not there's, do that. The, the, there are explanations, but, but I think that there is no way to look at it that isn't uncomfortable. Exactly. And, and the explanation of them giving up some of their innocence in order to protect themselves from, from, from it
1: mm-hmm. is,
2: is something that actively works. And like, it's a sense of, it's, it's, there's a sense of love there that, that Stephen King writes about it. Um, mm-hmm. and like, I think that alongside everything that these kids have gone through, makes them like the cotet right? Like that's yep. what pulls them together. Mm-hmm. Um, and i don't i don't, i did not want that in this movie at all uh, but i also didn't want like this weird non-consensual kiss thing <laughs> like ben just plants on her. yeah and it's and it's fine it's um, the power of love Not to, not but, to cross across the anything. But they end up together right right like,
1: i'm pretty
2: but sure kinda, yeah kind of um like we We're, we went through this exact same thing on the X Men podcast where Gambit does this and immediately says, you know, Gambit doesn't go where he doesn't belong, and like, no. yo, you just did. <laughs> like, I mean, Ben would be like, I would never kiss a girl against your will. Like, <laughs> yo, you just did.
1: <laughs> That's awful. Uh,
0: yeah, R- R- Brian, did you have more more to say about uh, about Bev's damseling or the ensuing events?
3: No, Jeremy got my main point across, which is just like, there's they had so many options uh-huh. and. The the biggest negative thing I can say about this film is in the end, it is still a Hollywood horror film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, for better or worse, that's what it is. But for that, it's a very good one of those. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So there are uh, there are table stakes, as they say, in corporate America, that it just, it just <laughs> it's just going to come with the territory. It just feels I mean, it's, this sounds like super judgy, but hey, we're criticizing a thing. It's a super lazy move on their part. It's a it's a it's a shortcut to goad people into action, like when they should all be together and ready to kill this thing anyway because of because of the destruction that they have seen. You know, And that's what happens mm-hmm. in the book. Like they 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 decide, hey, it's time. Like there's never going to be a better time to do this. So let's go, let's go do it. Um, yeah, the deadlights that scares real cool. Um, that is a really striking image when his, and by his, I mean its face unseams along the uh the the paint lines <laughs> yeah, that's,
2: that's a very disturbing and uh anytime that this dude that this this thing is opening its mouth is it, <laughs> it it's it really works for me like these r- rows of teeth and this giant gaping ball with the floating lights on the inside is,
0: is very very good yeah yeah uh and her her eyes going completely gray um very good um i'm curious to see what else they're going to do with the deadlights i am particularly fond of the concept of the deadlights even if they are getting those wrong, it's supposed to be his true form that exists outside the wall of the universe. Um, <laughs> no big deal. No big deal, right, guys. Right. Yeah. Sure, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mike gets to throw Henry down a well, which is fun. Yeah, that's legit. Yeah. yeah. I'm into that. I'm down for
2: it. How's, yeah.
3: This is Mike's story. How, how this part right well? here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> What'd you say, Jeremy.
2: I'm sorry I talked over Brian I was just asking how deep that well is because it seems like he was screaming for a long
0: time I mean I, he's got to come back like he, he he is one of the main antagonists of the second part of this story oh that's true yeah yeah <laughs> let's see here the final confrontation we should probably talk about this kind of as one whole thing I, I have a note here that says eating Stan's head like an apple which is how they find it and Stan <laughs> um, <laughs> but um you know georgie's final plea we talked about that scene being really good it's really strange that they kill the clown by beating it up
3: that is odd i did wonder if that was how it happened in the book No, it felt like that's the part where i was like oh man this just kind of feels like an 80s like, you know, like if this existed in the 80s, it would have inspired Stranger Things kind of
1: thing. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm.
3: Like, it is that weird recursive loop of that kind of thing. Because you can imagine after this, like, those kids are going to go on different adventures and meet aliens <laughs> and go to haunted houses all the time. Yep.
2: The kid that plays Richie is going to be starring in the uh, the new Carmen Diego series. So what? maybe, maybe yeah, that's going to
0: happen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, his time in dairy hardened him yeah <laughs> <laughs> carmen carmen has no idea what's coming for
1: that Ooh, coming she for better
3: run <laughs> <laughs> oh. so something tells me something tells me that they're not going to go so cosmic with its origin um
1: they didn't, maybe they're they going to show yeah, it
3: yeah i think they might like tone that down a little bit that'll if be that,
0: a huge loss
3: yeah, which is which is why I think the like I the physical thing was sticking with me because it, it felt like this film was really going for a much more physical creature
1: mm-hmm.
3: in a way that, you know, even my mental interpretation didn't stack with. Yeah, but, you know, that's what it is. It They beat him up. Mm hmm.
0: I wonder since they're bringing the kids back if they're gonna show stuff that we didn't see in this particular part of the timeline like if they're going to show like hey we're finally remembering like when we did this the the the, the sweat lodge and saw saw it landing on the meteor you if
3: know? they if they go back and like retroactively make what happened in the first movie worse in the second movie uh-huh that would be an interesting like they remember it but then like the closer they get to reconfronting it the the Closer they get to actually remembering how it really happened, mm-hmm. but I doubt they'd do that. But that would yeah. be an interesting way to pull it off. Feels very
0: conceptual.
2: I just want <laughs> I just want Bill to say, "Oh my god, I forgot they'd actually kidnapped Stan. I thought it was Beverly."
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's like the credits Problem
1: solved. <laughs> the, the, the
0: credits roll, and then Bill wakes up as an adult. Like, oh, what a strange dream. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So how wait, did you what, guys ha- think about the
2: um the floating bodies scene because it's it's such a literal interpretation of the metaphor and i don't remember this being in the book at all cole maybe you can help me out if i'm wrong on that like i don't in, i don't remember this ex- is existing really in the books in the book in the, book,
0: in, in the books um in the book uh it's layer when he is in the spider form which is not as true form but kind of an intermediate form that's uh, a physical from that he takes on this plane, um, it, all of the bodies are kind of rigged up in webbing. And mm-hmm. so, like, and when he dies, all of the uh, all of the bodies that are up there, including Audra, Bill's wife, um, you know, like the, the webbing slacks and they start descending from that. Um, in the 1990s version, they are um, floating up, but they are still, like, webbed. And like, here, there is no webbing at all. They are just kind of, like, floating in the sunlight under a grate. Okay.
2: I I thought this was a little weird Um, and it was a cool effect like I liked this shot Mm -hmm. Uh, I just I didn't know how it fit within the like this more than anything told me that they may actually go a little more cosmic with it like they would go a little weirder with the with its origin Mm -hmm. Uh, but but who knows Uh, I'm just curious to get your opinions on it
3: yeah yeah I don't know it felt fine like I wasn't I liked it. it it felt good for what the movie was yeah um I don't know like if a different version of this story I don't it maybe it doesn't fit but it felt like it if I just came into this with no knowledge at all that felt fine it was weird and like shocking and um just strange enough that it that it matched my vision of the movie of the universe the movie was building.
0: Yeah. Yeah, if if anything it just sticks out because it is so on the nose when uh, that doesn't appear in the book so you know that I could see that complaint coming from people who are familiar with the previous treatment.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Autumn,
2: yeah, Autumn and I shared a, a very quiet look in the theater of like, a, "Excuse me,
1: <laughs> what is that?" <laughs> and I yeah,
3: exactly. Yeah. So literally, what? So we all float down here. If we, um, if you just go into this movie again for the masses, what does that mean by the end of the movie if you don't have that? It's, it's just like this weird mantra. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, they probably had a version of the script where they, you know, felt like there there had to be a kind of answer to that question if people were going to feel satisfied at the end of the movie. Mm. You know, I feel like they had to justify an ending in a way that, like, you can't always guarantee there's going to be a second. Like, I'm they had, you know, a good feeling, but they still had to place <laughs> their bets.
0: They still had to see, yeah. Uh... and And...
2: To be clear, like I don't think the second one is is a it's actually green Like it's a no brainer that it will be eventually, but it's not like it's a sure thing right now. Right,
3: feels right. are happening. It's going oh, very yeah. fast. Yeah. It looks like if it doesn't happen, it would be insane. <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Especially with where all movies are at right now, not just not just horror movies in general. Yeah. Um. That's a that's a good question, Brian. I don't. I don't. I even know. I don't even know how to answer what they all float down here means even in the book you know aside from just when they are in the deadlights, they're incorporeal but like that is pretty arcane all things said yeah like i well,
2: we know from the dark tower series that stephen king loves his his mantras right like yeah, he thanks. loves repeating words he loves repeating phrases most of his villains have you know weird things that they say over and over again um even like very small time villains, even the villains that live in his character's heads have have things, you know. The the great sage and imminent junkie comes to mind. Yep. That that kind of thing. Like it's it just like repetition of things and let's it, pokerize them. Yep. And it's just, you know, it becomes something that <clears throat> excuse me. It becomes something that is um it becomes terrifying because of the repetition it's not it doesn't necessarily mean anything
0: yeah well it it takes on different shades of meaning depending on the context where it's invoked right yeah but but also uh, brian i like your
2: point that like you have to like if people are coming into this movie and the, like, if, I just went to IMDb and, and and searched it and it came up like, "You'll float down here." Like, <laughs> like if if they're saying if they're pushing that so much that at some point it, I'm sure somebody was like, "Hey, are we, did we did we talk about the floating thing?
1: Is the floating thing in the movie?" <laughs> hey Bill. The, hey Bill. the Floating thing in the movie. Hey Bill. Raise <laughs> more. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Why does kids
2: you so. know? Yeah. Yeah. It's I think that's definitely something that uh um and, and this is not meant to sound elitist at all, but something that somebody coming from the books and <clears throat> would probably notice way
0: more than anybody just like coming in to watch a, a good scary horror movie. Context <laughs> and background. They're real. Yep. Yeah. Um I do I do want to make a note. Uh Richie is the one who lands the first blow on 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 it on Pennywise. Um and he has this whole monologue. It seems like he's gonna turn on Bill saying, like, you know, you you made us you know, you, you made us walk here into danger, made us walk through shitty water. We've, you know, risked our lives, blah, blah, blah. And then you know, on top of that, this final insult, now we're going to have to kill this fucking clown.
2: <laughs> That's incredibly cathartic. Cheers in the audience when we when we were watching it. Like, people yeah. were like, woo! Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Uh, so they don't... I, mean, I was being glib when I said that they, they killed it by beating it. Like, that is the action that we see, and it doesn't make any sense, because this is an elder being it is you know literally a cosmic horror like that would be out of a lovecraft um they kill it by starving into fear their act of you know beating it down and all committing to this together is what you know makes him shrivel like quite literally at the end when he is you know hanging from the you know hanging from the wall of the well he doesn't die by falling in he like literally turns into ash you know starting from his head on the way down so like that is a cool and good idea I hope they expound on that
3: So, um, there's a, this is, this takes place chronologically a little before this, but there's, um, there's the scene where Bev is first down here. I I touched on this earlier with the dance, but this is, I think, a great scene to illustrate, uh, Skarsgård's particular approach to playing it. He thinks of it as a performer, a person who really has a show, Mm -hmm. uh, (laughs) to like, you know, do in front of the audience. And this, there's a lot of fanfare buildup to the dance. It's, uh... (laughs) You know, there's a little bit of music playing. It's going to come to the stage. Be ready. Here comes Pennywise, the dancing clown. And it is.
1: God,
3: I just love that scene. <laughs> so infernal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And his his arms are moving at all. Or his limbs are all moving at like right angles. It's yeah, the strange. The, 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 thing. The
0: camera is canting like it's doing this regular rotation, but his, but his head is staying stationary in relation to the frame. the the sense is that the entire world is kind of pivoting on his neck as a fulcrum along with the rest of his body yeah it's super super affecting it's like this weird like paper doll puppet kind of effect yeah Uh, and then the movie ends with the promise you know them cutting their cutting their hands which i cannot possibly imagine eddie doing but you know
3: (laughs) so who could anyone here ever do a blood pack? anyone ever want to um i'm gonna th- hear I'm, I'm assuming no across the board <laughs> yeah. I think uh, that,
2: yes and no <laughs> i just <I>, want to <laughs> i have done it don't ever want to do it I'm horrified that i did it as a kid so i, yeah. I, I,
0: I think i think we did a minor version <laughs> where we where we used a needle to, to to like prick our fingers like our index fingers and touch there we didn't do what they do which is really horrifying taking a broken <laughs> bottle from, from from the open air sewer that is the Barons, um and then cut their whole palm open
1: <laughs> never did that Cole, Cole, not I'm just not surprise. just one palm cut off cut
2: both palms because yep. they, they all link arms in a circle i thought they were going to do like the, the the hand pile up thing in the middle yeah. but no 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 no. i guess they cut both hands and like made the whole trust circle yeah, and made the promise if we're going to kill this clown again we've got to be all in <laughs>
3: cole i'm honestly surprised you even went so far as to do the needle thing i couldn't even bring myself to do the needle thing (laughs) and Uh, i don't know there's something my neuroses came a lot later in life (laughs) okay fair (laughs) maybe i was just more neurotic as a child i don't know but (laughs) there was there's something specifically about blood packs that really just grosses me out to my core And (laughs) specifically the way, like when they did when they did the cuts, I imagined like a little cut because they don't show you the palms at
1: first, Mm
3: -hmm. (laughs) and then they showed like a. I mean, I know it's not that bad, but it it really just like the visual of it. uh, Just I do not like like that i guess no no a, just... a little while later
2: when um uh bill and beverly are having their moment and um he 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 runs over to kiss her and she like puts her <laughs> hand up against his face and just leaves <laughs> the <laughs> giant smear of blood all over it let,
3: like let me run i'm so glad that they hand. did that
0: <laughs> you're so glad that they did that <laughs>
2: yeah i think it's hilarious like uh. i mean like if you're gonna have that moment like it it's yeah. what would happen, right? Like, uh, Bill, at that point, I guarantee you, Bill would not care at all to get get someone's blood on him, right? Because no, it's his first no. kiss. Like, right. it, that's the only thing in the world that he's thinking about. Like, he's definitely not thinking about the giant smear of blood on him. Um, no, no. I, I always have a question when it comes to these blood packs, y'all. And, and maybe you can help me out here. But why do people insist on when these things happen? And you see this, like, it's a trope to get the inside of someone's palm, like, there's other places you could cut this that you don't use all the goddamn time. Like, cut the back of your of
3: your hand. <laughs>
2: cut your upper arms. <laughs> push your upper arms
3: together. You need a reminder every day that you made a blood pack, Jeremy.
2: <laughs> I guess so. Or at least for like the next six to eight weeks while it heals and I can barely use yeah. my damn hand.
3: Well, that's uh, why you use the opposite. Like, you're right-handed, you do the left hand. So it's not like it only bothers you when you play guitar or something.
2: <laughs> um. I, uh, i i I, I, this is this is totally fine for me like i i am totally all in when it comes to kids making blood packs like mm-hmm. this is this is a very kid thing to do like this is yeah. a very um ensemble kid thing and mm-hmm. I, I i am into that. Um, yeah and it'll, I it'll
0: pay off in chapter two when they're when their wounds come back
1: yeah mm-hmm.
0: yeah um so did you guys have any other any other scenes that i didn't account for in this kind of inventory that i took of cool things uh that you would kick yourselves if you didn't talk about
3: Well, real quick, at the end of the movie, it says it chapter one. Yes. Which you don't know going in. Mm -hmm. Like, it just you just it just calls itself
1: it. That's smart.
3: Yeah, it's smart to put it at the end of the movie. But it's also, you know, hopeful and very boastful. And it's like uh, (laughs) taunting the gods. So yeah. <laughs> just saying.
0: Yeah. I didn't like applaud because I think applauding at the credits is kind of tacky, but I did, you know, do one Who's of these. Who's like, to
3: hear it? Yeah. Who are you applauding? I, I,
0: I did do like a, ah oh, like, like, like a, like a one, like a, like a one hit. Well, that's um, an
3: excitement clap, but that's yeah. not like, that's not like, oh, praise you. Great movie. Right. Right. It wasn't a standing <laughs> O. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Jeremy, did you have any other stuff that, uh, that you wanted to, that you wanted to hit? I, I want to bring up, um, two small
2: things. Uh, one, very early in the movie, uh, Ben is in the library when he, right before he has this like scare scene and he's, he's researching the history of dairy. and um, there's a scene where the librarian comes over and it's like, oh, hey, here's this book that you're, you were looking for and he's like, thank you, man. I really appreciate that and she says, shouldn't you be outside, young man? And I'm like, what <laughs> fucking librarian
3: in the world is going to see a kid and be
2: like, you need to get out of here. You don't need to have
3: your head in a book. <laughs> like, she hates her job can't <laughs> everyone get out of the library and let yeah. me let, let me uh, smoke let me smoke in here you ever, you ever work retail and you're just like fuck another customer uh-huh i don't care yep. if you pay my
2: salary come on <laughs> the other thing is um this this goes back to something with beverly's character uh and i guess you could you could put this under the umbrella of her being damseled uh but the at the end of the after the Blood Pact, um, all of the kids one by one get up and leave. And it's it's very obvious that like this is probably the last time these kids are gonna hang out. Like this is the beginning of a summer this is towards the end of a summer, like they're gonna go to school, like things are gonna change. Like you kind of feel that even if the movie doesn't spell it out
0: for you. Yeah, and, well, uh, and, and like Beverly is specifically talking about like going to, to Portland. Portland. Yeah, moving yeah. to Portland, yeah.
2: Um <clears throat> The last three that are there are Ben, Bill, and, and Beverly and obviously this, this is the love triangle, right? Mm -hmm. Because earlier we, we've seen Ben, uh, write her the January embers poem. We saw her go to bill with it Mm -hmm. and say it's, and try to repeat it back to him. And bill is totally clueless. He's like, I I don't know any poetry. I'm sorry. I I can barely, I can barely get a word without, out, out without stuttering. So Mm -hmm. like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not your poetry boy. Um, and she eventually puts that together, I think with, with Ben when he kisses her awake. Um, so it was kind of a bummer for me, even though I think that like the, the actor and the actresses don't wouldn't like look right together. Like she just looks much older than Ben, but it was Mm -hmm. kind of a bummer for me that that the last scene we get is Bill and Beverly. Like it just didn't feel earned at all. Like Ben is the one that brought her out of the thing. He's the one that wrote the poem. He's, you know, Bill is obviously the leader of this group, but it's mostly just by default because he lost the most to this monster. Mm -hmm. He lost his little brother to it. And
0: like that, but that's it yeah <laughs> and, <laughs> it's kind of like it's kind of kind of a kind of a shitty thing to, to do to Ben. yeah well i mean
2: it's it's just kind of a yeah but, it, but also it's if it's kind of what she but but, but, the, but if it's what ben. she wants
0: too, like you know there's not not that big a you know can't can't take away what she wants either you know she, she, does, oh, she doesn't oh, totally. like that at that point yeah, yeah like i'm definitely not trying to be like you deserve you you know you
2: ben go get a piano and play it in front of your apartment for the next 24 hours like don't
0: stop until she says yes or,
2: or whatever um,
3: really really ben, gonna
0: date this podcast Ben be really really happy that reddit doesn't exist right now <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah you're not even gonna know what a red pill is for like tw- 20 years dog
0: you're, you're no, good I mean, for, for, for 10 years i mean the matrix 10 years. Is yeah be. yeah sorry
2: um <laughs> But yeah, that's that's those are the two things that I wanted to bring up. I mm-hmm. I really like that scene where she, she uh her and Bill are I think they're cleaning, I think they're cleaning the bathroom, um mm-hmm. f- from all the blood, and she recites the poem and he's like just totally clueless. Like that yeah that, that that really worked for me and to have the payoff of that be like, Oh yeah, she still totally likes him. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's just me like as the guy who as a kid never got the girl, right? Like I can't really yeah. say that now, thirteen years of marriage in, but uh, <laughs> as a kid, um that maybe that, that was like you know 13 year old jade like come on man i'm I'm the one that wrote the fucking poem that you like what the hell (laughs) right
1: anyway i'm
0: probably sounding bad at this point so i'm gonna no you you're not sounding bad like it's 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 fraught um and who knows how they're going to what direction they're going to take it because like in the 1990 version uh she ends up with ben like you know she um I forget if she sleeps with him. God, I just watched this like last night, so I should know. But they end up like leaving together and getting married. That may be how it happens in the book, but like Beverly and Bill sleep together in the book. You know when they're oh, yeah, when, is- when they're adults. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: I think they left it intentionally messy for that exact reason.
0: Yeah, Yeah. You still I'm just- trust them with it yeah
3: for now just so many
0: uh oh man i, I want to see more of this it's so it's so rare <laughs> that you that you look at something and see like oh a sequel is definitely warranted and necessary <laughs> yeah i want them to fill out the themes i want them to like complete this because the things that i miss are probably you know the things that i miss either exist in the adult side of the story or exist as part of a contrast between the two of them you know um, I feel kind of bad because we focused a lot on the, you know, the spectacle of the, of the movie and the story, uh, specifically the different scares and cool scenes and stuff. There are so many great moments, like the one that Jeremy alluded to with them in the, in the bathroom, um, talking about the poem and Bill being, you know, clueless about it the entire time. Um, just each of Or the of these... real,
2: uh, the real shitty girl at the pharmacy who tells Stan that, uh, <laughs> no, tells Eddie, like all of his stuff is fake. Yeah. <laughs>
3: yeah. Oh, <laughs> and
0: then,
2: yeah.
3: And then the cast, Eddie's yeah. cast. changes loser to
0: lover. It's so good. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. I mean, like, it's kind of cheesy, but it's a real striking kind of thing. I I, I like it a lot.
1: Um, There's
3: there's that real slow – there's that scene where she's filling it in, and you're just watching her stare at him while she's chewing at gum, occasionally glancing (laughs) down at his cast, And it's really (laughs) – it's really intimidating in that way. Child bullies are intimidating, <laughs> Yep,
0: especially somebody uh, in a position of authority on the on the other side of the counter, you know? Um, yeah, it's, um, but there are so many great little moments and interactions and stuff in this. Like I, I was so happy that this movie turned out to be good. Like they, you know, who, who, who can say if they nailed it? Like they had to make choices. Any adaptation of something this big is going to be a compromised product. But like, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, this movie has stuck with me, you know, since I, since I saw it and I think it's going to stick with me for a while, like, and it has cemented it, you know, as a story, as just one of these just massive and important works in, in horror for me, even if it doesn't always succeed in being strictly scary, <laughs> um, either in, in its original form or, uh, you know, in, 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 either of the adaptations, like any, any final thoughts on you guys, Brian, I'll throw it to you first.
3: Yeah, I definitely think this movie has cemented it as transcending just being a book. It is now a character that exists within just everybody's minds, which yeah. is great, because like this, this is uh, the character deserved to have a version of him that served the purpose of, you know, being for the masses. It's a mm-hmm. great character. It yeah. always has been a great character. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there are compromises in the story, uh, but uh you know, for what it is, there are a lot of things it does very well. And I think the good far outweighs any negative thing you can say about it.
0: Yeah. Jeremy.
2: I um, am so thankful that this movie didn't fall into the trap that the Dark Tower did and try to start the Stephen King cinematic universe. <laughs> and it it, it it knew its boundaries from the beginning. Like, it's it's very telling that this movie is two and a half hours long um, or around that. And uh, then, I mean, minus credits is like two, two and five. Okay. Yeah. So right at two hours um, and didn't, and stayed within its, in its lane. Right. Like, and we didn't even get half the story mm-hmm. and, but yet the dark tower spent five minutes, like with an extended clown <laughs> reference, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, and it, it's, it's just really nice that this movie knew exactly what it was going to do and set out to do it very competently. And, any of my negative – and I, I've, I'm i always worried that I speak too much about the negative because it's easy to do that to, to a certain degree. Um, but it's like all of my issues with Mike or Ben or Beverly or, or what have you like are, are are very, very tiny compared to how much enjoyment I got out of just watching it. Mm-hmm. Again, t- Brian made this point earlier, but like not a super scary movie. Like I'm not going to turn off all the lights and, oh, shit. I got, I'm so terrified. <laughs> I can't even leave my house. I mean, like it's not that kind of movie for <laughs> me but is extremely entertaining and like, I I think feeling that the kids are terrified and feeling like this is all relatively probable within the, the rules of the universe that it sets out and creates is, Mm -hmm. is something special. And I, it is a really big book for me, not just literally, but it's, it's, (laughs) it was a big formative book (laughs) for me as a kid. (laughs) Um, Like a lot of Stephen King was for, for better or for worse. Um, i so I'm, I'm glad to see it, it it get this adaptation that's so good because it could have come out so bad, y'all. <laughs> this could have been, as 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 me and Cole know from the Dark Tower movie, it could have been so bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, awesome. Well, I'm so happy that you guys uh, came on here to talk about this. It is so good to talk about something that uh, is is great. You know, we saw that last time on the Mist when Gary and I talked about that. We saw the opposite of it on the Dark Tower, uh, you know, in the Dark Tower movie. Um, but yeah, I've had a lot of fun here tonight. I encourage, you know, if you haven't listened, if you haven't seen the movie and you're listening to this and you were looking for for more of a summary, like, sorry, take this as, um, you know, an admonition, like, go see this movie. You're not, you're not going to be bummed out by it. I think, I think that there's going to be a lot of good stuff and Hey, it doesn't have the kid orgy. So it has that going for it. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can safely say that no kim's no kids were orgied in the, pro- in the making of this movie
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh also um if you haven't seen it which uh, i don't know i don't know why i'm talking to this hypothetical hypothetical person there's nothing after the credits so don't stick around
2: uh-huh. I appreciate you mentioned that in the uh, Slack channel and I just want to give you a, a high five for that because I was able to run out and empty my bladder because it had been 2 hours and I'm an old man and I was like oh crap yeah.
3: I'm just going to be the guy on the podcast who says those scenes are awful why would you do that to anybody credits mean the end of the movie let me go home <laughs> yep yes I yeah. agree especially
2: <laughs> especially the one after like the second post credits like the post post credit sequence like what uh, are you doing mm-hmm. please stop this
0: yeah. you've gone mad with power <laughs> uh so Brian where can people find you on the internet?
3: Um mostly on the Duckfeed Slack. Just uh go to the Patreon and pay enough money per month to get access to the Slack and hang out with me. It's great. Yeah. You're in there as Dr. Static and uh you are one of our mods. So thank yes, you thank very much for doing that. You're welcome.
0: Yeah. Um Jeremy
2: how about you? I host like 17,000 podcasts, <laughs> um which is Four less than Cole Host. Um, But if you liked hearing me talk about horror stuff, I do a uh, loosely horror-based podcast uh, (laughs) based on the TV show Supernatural, where we talk about uh, werewolves and hunks and as I was IMDb uh, diving for this movie, learned that this, the, the kid that plays Richie was actually appeared on an episode in season 11 of Supernatural. So I'm looking mm. forward to that. <laughs> uh, that's called monster of the week. You can find it at monster of the week. cool. He can find me on Twitter at JG Greer. If you want to chat about anything, Stephen King related, I am always down.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Jeremy won't plug it, but you recently launched a Patreon for your oh, Monster of the Week to. podcast. No, we no, to like do it's, it, it, it's, it's there. Uh, I, 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 I got to do a thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, if you, if you want to support him and his, and, and his work it is it is um uh, patreon.com slash monster of the week um thank you
2: that's very nice
0: of you i really appreciate that that's it's it's great to see you guys are hitting goals and stuff it's uh that's awesome
2: um yeah yeah. we're about to start covering comic books brian do you want to do you want to read some comic books about hunks did you know (laughs) that they were
3: (laughs) jeremy jeremy okay let I signed up for the Dark Tower comic books. I'll do the same for Supernatural. Yeah, You're getting right. my comic right. book critic side, so I hope you're ready.
0: <laughs> uh, I don't know if those Dark Tower comics will hold up to it, but it'll be fun. Um,
2: <laughs> so. I know we're trying to get out of here, but I just found a bunch of those the other day. I was moving some stuff around as I'm rebuilding my office, and I found a paper like a small paper bag full of uh, loose floppies. And like half of them are dark tower comics that I have no memory of buying whatsoever. Oh, so, nice. yeah. Yeah. Hey. so if you, if you want those, let me know, because I certainly <laughs> don't want them in my house anymore. <laughs>
0: so. I've, I've got my trade paperbacks. It's fun. Cool. <laughs> cool. Um, and we'll be back next time with our opening coverage of the stand. We're doing two episodes on that. I believe the cutoff point is chapter 48. Um, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> i know it's it, it's ridiculous i'm listening to the audiobook on on 2x speed which i never ever do uh it's not going to be a beat by beat thing because why the fuck would we it'll be kind of similar to this actually talking about individual characters and their arcs up to a point and then on uh, the second episode focusing on kind of the uh the climax and falling action of uh, of uh of the book but it'll be two episodes because it is so big and then after that we're going to begin our coverage of wizard and glass i'm so excited it's such a fun book um It'll be fun. So uh, until uh, you can find me on Twitter at Cole Ross, K-O-L-E-R-O-S-S, and on other shows at DuckFeed.tv. If you want to support this show, go to Patreon.com slash DuckFeedTV. If you've done that already, I appreciate it. If you haven't, uh, there's some cool stuff there, and I would love if you checked it out. So uh, until next time, long days and pleasant nights.